Hello Start this and bitch. broadcasting from the beautiful central coast of California. It's the Doctor Death Danger Radio Show. I already explained it to you. Yeah. I left my like refilled water bottle, and I was looking for something else. I keep getting hit up by these guys. This is like the fourth one. Dude, that's what. At this point, you just need to make fucking satire for sure. Yeah. Like, you just gotta be zero fucks. Like, demand stupid shit. Like, yeah, if you want me to, like, pay for your shit, get me an autograph fucking Undertaker poster, bro. I don't wanna fuck around. Buy me a steak dinner. Welcome back to the Dr. Death Danger Radio Show with your boys, James and Edward, as we're talking about the boy Edward here with this solo industrial project being hit up by these fucking con men fucking PR people. So to save you all the long story, basically, so my solo project, my... Um uh, my my pride and joy, justifiable treasons. Got new music coming out this Sunday, so I made an Instagram. From the time of this recording, for the time of this recording, well, basically, basically it's tomorrow for the time of this recording. Yeah, maybe if there's time tonight, I could upload this, but I'll fucking see, I'll see if I have to play fucking band ad. I doubt it, but I don't know how my evening's gonna be. So what's happening is, um, I don't know how they do it, but you know, one of those like. Um, not fake promoters, but you know those influencer promoter dudes hit me up. You know the ones influencer, where they, they go I in say your PR DMs. peeps. Yeah, they go in your DMs and then they're just like, "Hey man, do you want to help grow your 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 fan base? We'll get you like ten thousand followers and a feature on our page for like thirty five, fifty bucks or whatever." They've got a but that's a regular shit. monthly subscription though. Yeah, yeah. So. And so the first one I was very amicable towards, I heard his prices and I told him, I said, I'm going to be, uh, I said, I'm kind of broke right now. So, so I'll get back. Here's to the you. prices. I was like, how broke are you? Uh, you know I'll I, strike you a deal. $30. I, yeah. That's what he said. He said, I, I'm, I'm looking, I'm looking up right here. I just need, yeah, here we go. Uh, this is by a thing named Mego Records. I said, I'll be honest, I'm kind of broke right now, lol. I'll get back to you. This is something I'm interested in, you know, just to placate them. And then he says, let me give you a better offer. Let permanent, me a better offer. Permanent post plus story plus highlight plus 500 followers, 30 bucks. This way you'll get to know about our services. I am sure you can spare $30. He, he tried to get up front with me. And then you were I like, told him, bro, I'm going to be straight up. Straight I got up less you? than 100 in the bank right now. I got bills to pay, two parents out of surgery, and a gambling addiction. I'm paycheck to paycheck. And then he, then this guy tells me, gambling is not a good habit, buddy. Well, it sounds like he ended the conversation <laughs> with you. So, no, I wanted, the, I think la- you realized I wanted you- the last word. I wanted the last word. So I said, you can say that again. Laugh crying emoji. Lol. Yeah, no. So forget that sounds like some freaking golden shit. And then this one guy, this last guy, and then this is the other one. I got hit by a few other ones. I got hit by, what are these guys called? I'm telling you, you need Sound- these like ridiculous demands. Sound underscore records. He gave me the same thing. I said, I've been hit up by three other influencer promoter dudes. I'm broke AF. I'll get back to you. Or you could also say, hey, He's buy typing. me. Ayo, get me a fucking Undertaker NFT and I'll swing you 30 bucks in a month if I remember. So you might have to remind me, homie. By demand an Undertaker NFT token. <laughs> I want to own some fucking Undertaker property. Don't you understand? Motherfucker? I need to know if you're legit. You scratch my back. I scratch yours. 
You know, yeah, you know. But I'll give you 10,000 followers. Homeboy, do I look like I make music that's going to give me 10,000 followers at the moment? Maybe, but maybe not. No, not really. Homie, I have a little bit more realistic expectations. Hustler boy. So give me Undertaker NFT token, and then I'll feel like I'm obliged to you to pay for your services of whatever PR you're doing. Yes, yeah, friggin' make me get an interview on some random zine or whatever shit. Or just suck my dick. Who knows? <laughs> oh no! You, 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 these guys are trying to make money Ooh. too, you know. So I, I, I respect the hustle. I don't like it. It's like it's like when you see those hustlers in L.A. I never told you about this. I wrote a song about those hustlers in L.A. You did, and those buskers. Yeah, I haven't released it yet, but it's a short like minute and a half. Like I guess you could call it a comedy song. It's called Die Hustler Die. Die, hustle, die. Because literally, well, I'm, I'm, paraphr- it, I'm paraphrasing a, my don't own. Don't hate a homie wanting to hustle. I paraphrase my own lyrics right now because actually, you know, I'm just going to read them for you real quick because oh. man, these, these motherfuckers, man, they annoy me. Where are they? Um, It's uh, it's uh, death it's, radio. It's, right ba- it's back the fuck up. I'm trying to walk down the street, not say hi to every rapper I meet. I respect the grind, but get it through your head. I don't want to listen to your shitty fucking mixtape. Great. Great poetry. Well, yeah, because like, hey, man, where you? Because they're like, hey, man, where you from? Then they pull out the pin. They try to the Sharpie, try to sign it. And I'm just like, man, I'm just trying to walk past the Chinese theater and go to the Ghirardelli's. All right. Leave me but alone. these motherfuckers won't let me go to the goddamn Ghirardelli's. I want some ice cream. It's hot. It's Los Angeles. There's smog everywhere. Schmeg. I've got people in shitty Mickey Mouse and Iron Man costumes trying to charge tourists that don't speak a lot of English and kids $45 or more for a picture. Now, I've got this dude and there's like seven other friends, right? They're just like... They're all they're all together, and then they 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 pick someone for a mark, and then they all hone in on them, and it's like, like no, I'm trying to go get some ice cream. Let me get some fucking ice cream, okay? Yeah, no, I remember fucking stealing with that shit because I remember like these goofy ass fucking street performers. Because I remember I went and saw a movie at that fucking like at that friggin' at the El Capitan because Ghirardelli's is right there. I yeah. went to go see a movie. I'm trying to remember what fucking movie I went and saw. Was it, it was that a couple of times. Was it, it was a Disney one, I assume? Oh, yeah. It was something yeah. Disney was throwing on and I was, because good friend Bone Steel was working there, so I got free shit. Yeah, yeah. It was funny, too, because, like, the front desk lady, sassy black lady that, like, Jake says, like, works there, has oh, a huge, yeah, I remember fucking, this lady. huge boner for fucking the Fast and Furious. Like, yeah, Jake yeah. Statham, he's my man. <laughs> Yo, Ben Diesel, mm, he's my man. <laughs> No, I literally come up and it's like, oh, you must be Jake Fred. Oh, yeah. What do you say? It's like, look for the guy that looks like a tourist because I'm wearing my fisherman's hat and stuff and my hold up shirt is like, oh, my God. You know what? You're not wrong. I like that. (laughs) At least I'm at least I'm like, at least I could be picked out of the lineup. Yeah, that's true. No, but I remember like coming out of a fucking movie. There was like these goofy ass fucking street performers. It was mostly like I literally was like, okay, I'll check it out. It was like fifteen minutes of fucking hype where they try to get some people to like oh, line I remember up, you telling and me like this. this one guy's just gonna run and just vault over, front flip over them and stuff too. It's like okay, but they literally are just like sitting there hyping, 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 trying to get some money, mm-hmm. trying to get some people. One dude's trying to like tell them like stop, like can you please stop and stuff and move along, and then they start trying to like. It's try to start vilify him and stuff and try to get the crowd on him. People kind of give a fuck. 
But after like 15 to 20 minutes, whatever it may be, the guy finally does it. He does this like a pretty solid athletic feat. It's like they like someone told me it's like, well, I don't see you doing something like that. But here's the thing. I see someone like good thing. Uh, yeah, he was able to vault over like um three. Let's say well, I'll give him a, I'll give him face vault over four people. That's impressive. He was able to vault over four people into like a front like a front flip vault thing. And I would say it's pretty impressive. And I'm like. Bro, I've watched the pro wrestling. There's this uh, pro wrestler named Will Osprey. He does like spectacular shit on the regular. Yeah. And when I saw this guy do this, I'm like, this hasn't this hasn't been anything I've seen this before. Guy isn't, this Why the guy, fuck did I waste 15 minutes of my my time for this? This guy isn't. This a, was nothing. This guy isn't an Australian uh, acrobatic professional wrestler. Though. Uh, Will Osprey's from Britain. Britain, that's what I'm. The I Essex. Yeah, yeah, the Essex. You know what? Street performers actually kind of vibe with them and like the painters are doing their thing. Because well, you know what? That takes actual creativity. That takes some hustling. These guys weren't doing being creativity. They were just being freaking like hype men with their shirts off. No, sure. Being like but loud, like loud, like they're just showing one athletic feat. And I feel like was not worth that amount no, of time. No, sure, but that at least took effort to do the flip. My least favorite thing, I think they're called buskers or buskers. Those are the people in the costumes. I hate those guys because the costumes always suck. And dude, they're some corny, guys, and, but somehow they're able to get some money out of people. But some of them have like predatory practices. I've seen some of those dudes in costumes just harass people for a picture. Like they follow them and stuff, try to get, and it's just like, oh my God, fuck off. Get a, At least the street performers are working. It's like, get a real job. You fuck, I... That's really how I feel. I, I'm not even... It's like, take off the fucking Mickey Mouse costume, put away your Darth Vader cape, and throw away your Infinity Gauntlet. Because it looks trash. Get a fucking job! You geek! Because these aren't street... Or do a better hustle. These aren't street performers who, you know, the hustlers are, are trying to make it in music. The street performers are working. And the I would say in a way they these shouldn't These are just be. assholes standing in costumes. And you see most of them, most of them look like privileged assholes that drop 600 to a couple grand on these costumes. And they're just like, oh, free money. Let me, let me, let me hey. have a shitty, let me be like a skinny guy hey, that's I'm like. Spooder Man. You want to take a picture with Spooder Man, bro? I saw this one dude. He looks like, he looked like he was 140 soaking wet. He's in a Batman costume with shitty, like fake inflated pecs. And he's got like the shitty facial hair and he's standing with his hips on his, on, on his hand on his hips. Like, ah, like this. He's hanging out with Iron Man. And it's just like, you're not Batman. Batman doesn't do that. It's Christopher Nolan Batman, too. I'm like, Christopher Nolan Batman doesn't have fun. Yeah, I know. When Batman hasn't had fun in a minute. I hate them. I didn't I didn't intend to rant on that when I came here. I wanted to, I wanted to rant about Steven Seagal, which well, I can we still do. Well, that's the main <laughs> event. To anyone that's listening, before we go on, I want to show you like my fucking death metal band that you reviewed last week. We yeah. finally got our fucking tapes in for the EP. Oh, baller. So we can actually the drop tapes. Well, no, 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 that's the no, split. no, that's, no, split. no that's the split. Hey, let me see this. Oh, those are fucking fresh. The tape is like toxic neon green. Or like swamp fucking yeah, like swamp filth green. green. It's a, it's a it's a dirty moss. It's got a great fucking art design with the fucking tape setup too, where it's like because sometimes you, like people either stretch the artwork to fit the J card format, right? Or what I've been seeing is like they just take what was like the freaking four like what are the four hundred by four well four seventy five by four seventy five. Or whatever, freaking just basically that basic square image, and they actually just like put it down and then put some stuff on top, which looks dank. But yeah, 
I guess while I'm getting them fucking tapes to be able to get, like, the dude's gonna drop them off at the fucking show we're jamming tomorrow and stuff, so, yeah, I know. But alright then. Since after talking about our lives, because, you know, we're no, we're people. We're not just reviewers <laughs> on the general. Yeah. If you do care, you gotta always remember, there's timestamps time in the beginning. So, yeah. Hopefully you'll be able to see the timestamps if you ever want to fast forward on the, like, our actual view. But, we're here today to talk about two things. Yes. We would have gone on to like a, a seasonal journey, but <laughs> from last episode to anyone else listening around the end, we found out that when we review Cradle to the Grave, a movie featuring uh, Hong Kong superstar Jet Li and, and hardcore rapper Bad Boy DMX. Yes, they did a movie and that was some freaking brain junk food awesome galore. Yes. When researching, because we were like talking about Anthony Anderson and him being fucking everywhere during this time period, like yes. it was hard not to run into him. We found out there was a movie that DMX did with Anthony Anderson. Well, action superstar. Oh, yeah. Steven, Steven Seagal. Seagal. And I'm just like, what the fuck? Okay, we have to watch this movie at this point. Yeah. We can't not not. But that is the main event, and we have timestamps. But to sl- to kind of get ourselves into the review format, today we have a... Here in our space, mm-hmm. we have a book called... A Thousand and One Albums You Must Hear Before You Die. And when we randomly picked out the book a couple episodes back, mm-hmm. what do we listen to? We listen to a record called... Tiger Milk by Bell and Sebastian, I believe the band is. Yes, Bell and Sebastian. Which you would think, oh, it's a two-piece. No, there's like eight people in this band. Um, how? what does the Wikipedia say? For what type of genre music was it? Basically, what type of genre music was this? Why am I freaking being in a such... Get proper enunciation, because you'll fuck that shit. <laughs> I, th- I, th- I think you're doing that because, uh, because you're trying to be a good host, you know? I'm trying to be a well-spoken genre, host or trying to speak better. Sometimes genres, I like just get, sometimes I'll fuck up and I'll say basically three times in a row. Basically, yeah, basically, yeah, basically, yeah, basically, yeah. Yeah, but that's I've just, noticed yeah. myself doing that. Well, apparently I was watching this video about, uh, about, uh, accents of each state and apparently people, the, the accent for California is that we're all really informal and we say like and but and basically and uh a lot. That's our gimmick, I guess. I guess that's our. Uh, I thought when people thought of Cal- I thought when people thought of California, they thought, "Yeah, sir for D." Oh, this is some sir for D. Yeah, dude. Basically, dog. <laughs> so the genres for Bell and Sebastian are indie pop, folk rock, chamber pop. That's the general for the Wikipedia page. If we go to the Tiger Milk page, it, it specifically says indie pop and chamber pop. Now, now I don't know what specifically is chamber pop because genres. I it, never heard of is that. An endless sea of fucking like. Um, Stuff, but if I was to put this in a category of like vibe and tunes, mm-hmm. I would say this is some chill indie sounding. It's music. very, indie. but it's also very big sounding too, because there's yeah. eight players, so there's yeah. a lot of layers to. I their looked music. into that. They, the 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 name is just a name, and there's eight people. But apparently, in the early days, they never like they wanted to remain anonymous, so they would just like take pictures of random stuff or even use pictures of their friends like for publicity photos. They don't do that anymore, but. Yeah, it, it was it was it was for the art, I guess. But yeah, um, for th- the art. this record, which I always forget because the '90s was just a melting pot for all the music we listen to now. Besides, like the first uh, ten years of the 2000s, um, the '90s is when we started to get a lot of the basis for uh, a lot of the current indie pop. I think 
I think when a lot of people think of like some indie things, um, indie sounding things, they a lot of people trace that shit back to like Sonic Youth. Uh, well, people trace Sonic Youth back. Well, to a that's lot of an shit, that's but. an alternative music though too. Yeah, indie to like, me, Sonic to Youth me, did have in- like a friggin' like a little bit of like popular explosion yeah. in the early nineties. To me, indie's too. like connected to alternative music. I always thought it, it was. well, indie is alternative music. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I always like the same fucking dudes that like book the shows I, that I jam and stuff are usually the dude oh, that will yeah. also book fucking indie bands and stuff too. On it's the just, same bill. It's well, that was the last fucking. Sh- Yes, that was the last show I played. Uh-huh. I wasn't there to catch all the indie bands, but it was like indie bands. <laughs> oh, there was like a bunch of indie bands, two hardcore bands, and your boy here with Corpse Thurs, <laughs> fucking grindy, gruff death metal. Now, I like indie. I don't really listen to a lot of it, but I, 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 I always kind of like the first throwback sounds. So one thing I'll say before we get into the tracks here is that it's like you said, this album, it's it feels big. You hear everything. It's clear and concise. And I'll tell you what. I wrote this a few times on my notes. There's eight people in this band. And I tell you, you can really tell all eight of them contribute to the writing process. Like, you can just tell. Hopefully. Track, you can say it's almost jammy. Yeah. Track one here is called The State I'm In. It starts off slow and simple. Acoustic guitar over lyrics. Eventually, the rest of the instruments come in, and the sound reminds me, it's like I said, indie rock, specifically of some of the stuff that was popular when we were in high school. Uh, they br- they bring in these keys. They sound very simple, but there's lots of layers. Um, kind of reminds me of like the of like a bunch of old like sixties rock, uh, not acid rock bands, but you know just sixties rock. There's bands. a little, there's a little bleed of like influence and inspiration yeah. from like those bands. There's a lot of little things. At least I really, that's with that with the fucking indie music scene. Yeah, there's a lot of little things I like. Like I said, the keys. You hear every instrument clearly. Um, and then near the near the end, they bring in this like this 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 tambourine on the percussion, and it just works. I like it. Well, I could tell you about song one. Is that for starting off the album? I thought it sound seems good, and yeah. it was a pretty chill song for the most part. Yeah, like it wasn't offensive. It didn't feel like it was bad where I can laugh or like turn me away. It's like you know what? This is some safe sounding music. Yeah, this was easy to listen to. It was one of the albums we needed to hear before we die, apparently. I guess so. <laughs> Track two. I think their second album is not in that book, but I think their second album after Tiger Milk is apparently really good, too. Uh, but yeah, track two, Expectations. I don't know why. To me, it sounded kind of vaguely punk, uh, not punky, country in like tempo and structure uh, when it starts. But then as it goes, they throw in like a violin. I think they throw in a trumpet and it has like this kind of like big band feel. I was hearing this. And I was like, man, this sounds like something I'd hear in like New Orleans or the Midwest. I like this one, too. I wrote down for song two is like more of the same. Mm-hmm. But there's a cool brass instrument part. Yeah. But, all right, moving on. I'm a simp for brass. I'm a, no, not so much brass. I'm a simp for the saxophone. There's no saxophone on this record. There was but. a brass instrument. I don't know, like a trumpet or whatever. I couldn't really, I couldn't tell you. I just wrote down, I was like, you know what? Just brass instrument. Yeah. Track three is called She's Losing It. Feels kind of swing. I really like the brass in this one. It's And I wrote here, it's crazy because I feel like I hear like the last like 20 years of Indian folk music like in this album and we're only like three songs in. It's short. It's barely two and a half minutes, but it's catchy. I wrote down more of the same. <laughs> okay, this isn't usually my genre of music and this is really not usually his genre of music. So. Well, here's the thing. I could say, here's the thing. This is my usual go-to genre of music. Yes. Because, like, I could tell you, bro, I listen to fucking DB, and that literally <laughs> is a thing of, like, bro, this is 
yes, more of the same. It literally is more the same, but just more aggressive energy. Yes. But so far, it's been more the same of this like nice passive energy. Mellow, Maybe there's some pretty. specifics uh, and there's stuff too. There's a lot too. of good music. But I'm going to tell you, a lot of the tempos, it doesn't vary that much. It's a no. pretty consistent tempo. So what's the next song? Song four is called You're Just a Baby. It sounds straight out of 69, like old school acid rock, radio rock and roll. They even got like the they even got like hand claps as percussive backing. Then the keys come in. I really dig the melodies and harmonies. Another good one. <laughs> hey, well, what do I say? I, I, these notes are very serious. Hey, like I'm not saying this. This is, is more the same, but there's an electric guitar in this song. Yeah, there was. That's right. Yeah. Oh, that was one thing. Is like, oh, hey, I hear electric guitar, but but everything else, this is more the same. Right, how about the next one? Okay, this next song sounded different. This song's called Electronic Resonance. Oh, did it now? Yeah, this well, this song started, like, this song started, it felt like full, like, 80s synth pop with this electric opening, and it leads into a dancey little tune with a shitload of reverb. The song, I'm sad to say, this song kind of didn't do much for me. I zoned out a bit for it. Um, probably the weakest for me. Like, it sounds the most different, but it just wasn't really too... Uh, wasn't the most interesting. It does sound nice. I can concede that, but it didn't really engage me. All right. You can't. This song actually sounded different. No, I was about to say it's more the same, but with a computer this time. But with a computer. Oh, hey, they use a computer, but it's like, it's the same fucking tempo, the same vibe as the other fucking listen, songs. Listen. It was just with a computer. I like. It's more the same. What? Listen. They're literally just like, hey, we're going to do the same fucking song, but maybe change out one fucking element. Listen. That's literally what it's been. Like, Listen. yeah, there is like specific difference, <laughs> but me not, this isn't my genre of choice, but I'm like, I'm trying to listen to this. Like, bro, I could be honest about my shit I listen to. That shit can be just honestly a sea of more of the same shit. Listen. But I know, but let's be real here. <laughs> Listening to this was literally like, decided, it was like, but this was a computer at Sithpot. It was the same fucking tempo, the same fucking vibe, just computer sounds. Listen, 120 BPM or die, bro. That's this is not 120. Well, this is either a step down from these are these are pop. What are the what are the two? It's is it is it 120 is a, and 90? 120 is a pretty quick tempo. Hmm. Well, obviously, it's I, not I like a freaking like. Because I've played the like Megadeth Tornado of Souls with the metronome that's oh, yeah, set to one ninety six, but that's a fucking mid pace. That's a mid pace beat. So friggin' like you get that's mostly being I was played doing, in half. I was doing some research about BPM. I got really like invested in it because like do you remember like in the mid eighties when ZZ Top started going like weirdly pop with some of their songs like Sharp Dressed Man and all that and and uh, she's hey. got legs. Hey, that's some that's good old fashioned rock and roll. What the fuck you talking about? No, but it's not like their old bluesy stuff. This was like. It, was like their radio rock stuff. I was doing some research and it's because the producer that Billy Gibbons was working with, he told him, because a lot of that stuff is actually on on, a, on like like Terrorizer and, and Vi not Violator, I think it's called Eliminator or whatever, some of their A's albums. They're actually using synthesized drum machines and because a producer had told Billy, hey man, a lot of the pop songs today, they're making money, they're all at 120 BPM. So program you program these drums like that dog. So that's why he that's why he did whatever. That. So we can say these songs are the same. These are BPM. pop song structures. I right, let me tell you. All right. Tell me about the next one. 
Track six is called Right Back At. Oh, no, I, uh, sorry. I said track six is Right Back At It with the 60s radio rock songs called I Could Be Dreaming. Making great use, I felt, of the delay effect on the guitar. It's a fun, simple pop song, not much to say. Uh, I wrote here, I fear the last song kind of took me out of the record, but this song really tried to pull me back in. I didn't love it. I didn't dislike it. I like how it gradually built up in speed near the end. Um, it it was did? All, a little bit. Oh, whatever. <laughs> what did you think of I Could Go Be Go to the next song. But Okay. Let's go to Track the next seven, song. We Rule the School. It's ballad time. Not much I can say other than it's a very pretty song full of emotion. I liked how they slowly introduced new instruments and elements like they add an acoustic guitar here, cello there, then a xylophone. Because like this is the part where I wrote here. There's like seven or nine members. Um, <clears throat> yeah, another good song, I thought. Let me tell you about songs six and seven. When I was listening to this, I accidentally zoned out because I think it was like caught cleaning something. I didn't catch anything. Because these songs both float into the into each other, no problem. And I'm like, I'm not listening back. And honestly, it was just more of the same shit. <laughs> I couldn't even tell the difference between these songs. But they're very pretty. Yeah, it's pretty sounding friendly music. <laughs> but I was like, dude, wait, wait, what fucking song am I on? Wait, I'm on song eight now. What the fuck happened to the last two? Speaking of which, that one's called My Wandering Days Are Over. Another catchy song. Not much to really catch like notes on. It's just some easy listening. The bridge with the trumpet and cello I thought was really good, though. I wrote down, okay, I got a little bored here. <laughs> That's literally it. At least there's only two more songs left. All right, next one. At least they weren't here for like 14 or 19 songs. Fuck, thank fucking God. Song nine's called I Don't Love Anyone. It's cynical lyrics over very pretty catchy music, which I was reading some of the lyrics for some of these songs later. Yeah, some of those lyrics are actually kind of dark. Yeah, they sounded dark. Yeah. Um, yeah, I thought this one was nice. I wrote down, this sounded like a Beatles clone. It did, actually. It sounded like a big band Beatles clone. It did a bit. Like, I'm sitting there and I was like, I don't know why. Because all the other songs, it's been kind of like the same vibe. I didn't really catch that, this but when one, you said that, yeah. Yeah, but for this one, I'm like, why do I feel like I'm listening to some band trying to be the Beatles right now? Isn't every band trying to be the Beatles? Well, well, that's not fair. But that's not fair. I, no, I know what like, you mean. I know what you yeah, mean. but I'm literally sitting I'm just sitting there. It's like, this really comes off as like, hey, I listen to the Beatles. Let's try to write a song with <laughs> like the Beatles. Last song is song 10 called Mary Jo. The song's opening reminds me of like really early Jethro Tull or like early 70s prog with their use of like wind instruments. I don't know the actual one. It specifically reminds me of King Crimson's I Talk to the King, King Crimson's I Talk to the Wind. Eventually the music all comes together very pretty. It's sweet. It, it sounds sweet, but it's kind of melancholy too. Good use of cello. The album doesn't end on like a bang or like a big finale. It kind of just ends where it started. Just a little disappointing. That's probably just me being nitpicky, but it was fine. It was fine. I, I, I can say I like the song enough and I, I like the album. So I wonder what you're going to guess I'm about to say. <sighs> Hold on. Let me let me do a count. No. Five words. So four words. That actually is five words. Oh, it is. Yeah. More oh. of the fucking same. Okay. I didn't know if you were going to say fucking. <laughs> like, if you ask me, it's like. The music sounds good. Yes. I justifiably is like it comes off feeling good. Like it has like the whole album feels like it flows well yes. and stuff too. But you, you got to sit down and actually dissect the stuff. I casually listening to it while I'm work while trying to do something else and try to listen. Nothing pops out. 
it feels like the, a lot of the songs are the same song. Maybe they might do something different to maybe deviate the song. But like, and but literally in the end, I was like, bro, more of the same shit. I mean, and I can put, <clears throat> I listened to DB, bro. I know what more of the same shit is. It don't matter to me. Hey, you know. Now, I don't know if they're Bell and Sebastian are elite in their fucking genre. I don't know if they're elite. I don't know how much they push around. it. Like, I don't know how much they like what they, if they push boundaries in their genre and stuff too. I really don't know how indie is. To me, it seems like indie is a very like friendly form of alternative music and stuff too. Where it's like you really don't meet a bunch of fucked up individuals. You don't meet a bunch of fucked up individuals. Well, this album- But at the same time, a lot of it's just like a lot of bored and consumerism fucking mentality with this shit. There's nothing special with like sometimes indie music. Well, Tiger Milk has sold over as of 20, 2007, so it's probably more, but that's just the source cited, has sold more than 124,000 copies. Uh, do you want to hear the reviews? Well, not here, but like, hear the ratings yeah what's the ratings at? all music four out of five the guardian three out of five nme i always forget what that stands for eight out of ten pitchfork uh in 1999 they gave it an 8.4 out of 10 but then in 2020 they re-reviewed it and they gave it an 8.5 q gave oh no they <laughs> upped it one fucking point number q gave it a four out of five rolling stone three out of five rolling stone album guide four out of five the times nine out of ten uh, uncut four out of five. The Village Voice A minus. Here's the thing. Yeah, if we're going off what was in the nineties and stuff too, and it's like this came out in ninety six. It sounds like this is elite in its genre, and I feel and like I'm not discrediting like this sounded good. This was all yeah, like good stuff. Good. But the only thing I picked up from this is like, dude, this is more of the same shit. And like indie music's fine, but to me, like I don't give a fuck about indie music and stuff too. Fair. I like a little bit more energy. This was void of like high energy. Yeah. Maybe their second album would be better. Look at those reviews for the second one. It's even better. Uh, well, was there a little variety? <laughs> I don't know. But yeah, no, I, I, I could say I uh, I could say I liked it. Um, I mean, it's I mean, it's OK. You didn't like I mean, it's OK to have different opinions and stuff, too. So that's that's cool. I was going to ask you this, though, uh, compared to Ice Earth. Because that is high energy, but that is also more of the same. Compared to Pearl Jam, yeah, which we just listened to, which technically would have been their contemporaries, quote unquote, dude, what, just because 90s. What I feel like has come off better and more, for sure, more respect. I feel like Bell and Sebastian for sure comes off with one better than fucking Pearl Jam. <laughs> that was just like, oh, God, it sounds like it just takes a drop. At least this album stayed strong, consistent. Yeah. Like, it didn't feel too dangerous in variety, but this is one album, an early album. Yeah, this yeah. Is I feel like it's fine. Now, compared to Ice Earth, Ice Earth, I, uh, like, I kind of understand what they're going for, and sometimes a lot of it was just like, poor and bad but usually they only need one or two songs for per album to have a killer live performance true and stuff too so if you ask me to rate like out of like like here's the thing about bell and sebastian as an album it is a good album but musically it's not my thing Mm -hmm. and honestly there's you're always gonna get the people that are outside of that genre and they're gonna try to listen to it and sometimes they'll listen to it it's like honestly this is more of the same shit yeah. Like you yourself can specifically are able to tear it down, but a casual listen, it's not much going on. I hear you. 
And like it does sound old school. And if we're going to put in the time place where whenever this came out and stuff too, I can understand after going through the friggin' like echelon of the friggin' 1980s and stuff, the yeah. 90s was a regression in friggin' music to bring back to more older forms. So this yeah. like fit the old form like jam band indie stuff, like whatever the fuck was going on, like a Dave's Matthews band or fucking Hootie and the Blowfish. <laughs> that's why uh that's why bands like this, Black Crows and Oasis got popular because they were they were doing uh mostly Black Crows, but they were they were doing these bands were doing this throwback stuff but they were updating it with like newer sounds too that's why that's why that got popular because the 90s is when that throwback sound started to get popular now here's the thing how do you rate it out as an album well here's the thing is like i don't i couldn't tell you what's elite in that like genre i don't know if like they're elite of their peers i feel like musically it's very good i feel like technically it's pretty good it's very good. yeah technically it's good musically i don't give a fuck about (laughs) but that's what i was gonna say i can't i as much as i actually like the album i feel like the sound's weird i can't be like oh this is one of my top like 20 30 100 favorite albums i think this is a thing i can listen listen to and be like this is good but like would i listen to it again maybe a couple sporadic songs here and there but that's about it so like i don't know i feel weird answering this question because like because like i like it but i don't like it's not like it didn't become like this thing of like oh man this opened my eyes this is like one of my new favorite things now you know yeah it didn't fuck i didn't like it didn't like latch on to me and like i didn't feel like it's not like a new fresh breath of experience it literally was just like you know what? I think I appreciate- there's only one song where I said it like this got a little boring, but everything else is like these were all fine, good songs. Yeah. So literally, I could say if this like if the album was a really good album in structure and technically it sounded good and stuff too. Yeah, I didn't feel like anything was just bad and drawling and boring. Like this all like all the like the free like the songwriting is good. Like yeah, it's all it's basic. Really fo- good. Yeah, no, it's really good. I just say it's not my like genre, and a lot of it's more I of think, the same. I think that's what I could say. I very much like respect and appreciate it musically. Even though I don't, it's probably not for me. I respect it maybe like as a musician and stuff. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot to appreciate as a musician, but this doesn't inspire me and doesn't make me want to go make music. Well, yeah, we're not going to start playing a recorder. You're not going to start playing a recorder on Corpse Thrower. No, <laughs> unless it's a fucking joke. But <laughs> Corpse Thrower it doesn't get dangerous. So Wizard's the one with <clears> the <throat> stupid, dangerous ideas, experimental, <laughs> dumb ideas. Because uh, fuck it, no one listens to us, so we can do whatever the fuck we want most of the time. High chance most of the time. Yeah. Some safe regard. I'm not going to start, we're not going to write a fucking Bell and Sebastian Beatles ripoff song now <laughs> and try to play as multiple instruments as we can. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're not going down that territory. I'd love to see Dylan try to play a violin. Drunkly play a violin, bro. Just like, just make screech scratch noises and call it good. It's like, I play violin, bro. What up? So, what are we going to listen to next week? That was a good fucking question. Do we want to go on a seasonal journey or do we want to go back to Lul, i.e., the the thousand and one albums to listen to before we die? Well, because I was going to say, I'm dropping new music. Do you want to like review that? Like, I reviewed Corpse Thrower. No, I don't know if you want me to go into deep detail or the casual review that like I do because I only listen to it once kind of give like my basic overall thought on paper and just kind of go from there well i mean we only i mean we only i mean how many times do you listen to the albums oh like when we're reviewing yeah once well yeah just that i mean that's i figured that's why because that's what i did with corpse thrower okay if you all right i could check it out wait how many songs is this five okay it's an ep i'm I'm, I'm sticking to the ep format what's the longest uh what's the longest one oh here's the thing do they vary in length they vary in length. The longest one is like maybe, oh God, what is the longest one? Go, what's Shadow go to? It's like five minutes maybe. 
but maybe a little less. But no, that that that's about it. Okay then. If you all right, I guess I will review you. I will review your EP next time on the freaking radio show and stuff and then, too. Uh, and then and then after that, then we can do uh, you know go on another album hunt. I guess so. Yeah, we'll go fucking seasonal or something. I don't know. Freaking. We'll think about that. We'll next think up. about it. We'll think about it. All right, is it time for the main event? Yes. Okay. Well, yeah, I'm just trying to get my fucking timestamp in because we keep going minute by minute. We keep like eating up minute by minute and I have to keep changing it. But yes. So as we said earlier this week, as you all know, last week we watched Cradle to the Grave, Jet Li DMX. Then we were- t- Because we want to watch a movie with DMX. And, and that so- was the goal. At least that came into my mind and we couldn't really think of anything. It's because we were trying to avoid our Neville fi- our fate- of going back and reviewing Brett Michaels' fucking attempt to find love. Yeah. On VH1 reality television. Yeah. Uh, sorry, I'm like burping. Are we gonna are we gonna review his new show? Unless we're like talking uh, we will no wait, what new show? You didn't hear he's he's got a show where he like does shit with animals. It's like a pet show. Is it airing? It's not airing. It's like filming. It's coming out soon. I well, think. if I am able to find it and keep up with it, then yes, <laughs> uh, maybe. <clears throat> but maybe yeah. this season, maybe season three or Rocket Love Bus might just like finally turn us off. It's like we're done. <laughs> Nevermore. No more Brett Michaels. No more Brett Yo, Michaels. Fuck his fucking glossy fucking makeup face and his fucking uh, like eyeliner where it isn't aggressive. Yeah. It's just there to accentuate his eyes, but you can see the fucking makeup. Yeah. It's freaking like. His mo- I want to call him mop dude. What the fuck are you doing? Oh, I am. Um, I, 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 I knocked it by accident. I just want to make sure it's still connected. It is connected. Okay, great. I would have said something. Okay, sorry. But fuck it. I don't exit, even know what I'm ranting. Yo, exit wounds. This is exit wounds. DMX and. That was a hard start. Let's get it. <laughs> we all fucked up. <laughs> We're on some drunk ass shit right now. I guess so. I might as well fucking change out the timestamp again. <laughs> okay then. Now then, listeners, after this drunken mess, we're here at your main event to review a movie from the year of our Lord, two thousand three or two thousand one. Two thousand one. From our year of our Lord, two thousand one. Cradle of the Grave was two thousand three. Yes, we're here to review today. Exit wounds, starring. Action superstar and piece of shit, Steven Seagal. He's such a piece of shit. And freaking rapper megastar, sadly passed away, but isn't the, I wouldn't say the best role model, but he does seem like he is a, can be a positive guy, but also he does dogfighting. I'm really burying these two. I like superstars. We actually DMX. like, we actually like DMX though. Yeah, no, I do like DMX. And Steven Seagal, I just laugh at. Yeah. Right. He had one good movie. Like one movie that he was like actually good in that was actually good, hard to kill. Everything after that's just a meme. It's just a meme. Yeah. So literally, when we found out there was a movie with these two, it's like, wait, fucking meme lord Steven Seagal and DMX did a movie. It's like, what the fuck? And here's the I have like when I was watching this, I think I've seen this before on television, but I've totally forgot about everything about this movie. There's only one scene where I remembered, and it's when DMX's character is buying a Lamborghini. And I remember the Lamborghini, but everything else, Steven Seagal and all this other shit, just flew past my dome. I never knew this movie existed. Neither did, well, I totally forgot this movie existed. Till I saw some stuff, it's like, I've seen <laughs> this movie before. 
All right. How does this movie start? We start with, I wrote here, we start with a dude talking to people. I, just I guess this is Mitt, the president? No, this is the vice president. Nice. I just wrote down some friggin' Mitt Romney looking <clears throat> motherfucker. Is talking to the people. He says, I hope you enjoy your stay in lovely Detroit. And he talks about gun uh, safety. I in Detroit, I thought it was New York. I thought he said Detroit. Who knows? Whatever city. Which I was just going to say, that made me laugh right there because he starts talking about gun safety in Detroit. Yeah, he, he says about- specifically guns are ending up in our children's hands. Last year, more oh my, pre- we're jumping it. Damn, he's like <laughs> middle schoolers are shooting themselves. Last and I'm like, year, what mo- the fuck? Last year, more preschoolers got shot than cops. Preschoolers. That's what he said. Preschoolers. What the fuck? Pre- more preschoolers got shot than cops. I'm paraphrasing, but that is what he said. <clears throat> so then Steven Seagal shows up in a nice car, suit and He tie. shows up in an El Camino. Okay. He looks like he's arriving late. He he's looks st- like he has a very stressed face. He's still in shape here, mostly. Mostly. So he still looks good-ish. He sits down with the rest of the people. One of the I thought co- he would be fatter here. One I was the, disappointed. One of the cops. But he doesn't in, have his ponytail. I don't know his name, but one of the cops in the audience is the black dude from Predator that wasn't Donald Glover. Yeah, and he was also the Green Beret in Commando. In Commando, yeah. It's like I never. Yeah, it's like this Green Beret is about, about to, to kick, kick your, your ass. I eat Green Berets. Well, I eat for gre- breakfast. I eat Green Berets for breakfast. And right now, I'm very hungry. I'm very hungry. <laughs> Fuck! I wish you could have watched Commando. I talk to people. Oh so, no, that means we're just gonna avoid Brett Michaels because I'm gonna want to watch Commando. I'm gonna want to watch Commando. Hey Sully, remember what I? You know, people you people shit on Commando. I see people look at Commando and they're like, Commando is people look at Commando and they're like, that's either Arnold's best movie or it's his worst movie. But either way, everyone's like, Commando is the most Arnold Arnold movie. Oh, it's a ridiculous. It's movie. so Arnold. It's more Arnold than the Terminator. It's more Arnold than Last Action Hero. Hey, homie, are you here to watch the Sean Shake Redemption, or are you here to get some <laughs> junk food for your brain, like Commando? Commando's so good. I think you're a dumbass if you don't know what the fuck you're getting into when watching Commando. You know what you're getting when you're watching with Commando, and if you're trying to find art and fucking solace and a higher level intelligence. If you're trying this to this movie, if you just feel compelled and art worthy, no, I'm watching fucking dudes getting blasted a million times with an over budget explosions in the end and just garbage one liners and garbage one liners and garbage one liners. If you're trying to if you're trying to find some kind of philosophical cinematic art piece that's going to challenge your critical thinking and make you reassess your philosophical values, no, no. Com- commando. You know what you're getting with commando. Commando's like a video game, but he it's a movie. He survives a jump from a moving airplane. No parachute. No nothing. He just lands in marshlands. All right, Sully. One more, Sully. Remember when I promised to kill you last? That's right, Matrix. You did. I lied. <laughs> Such a great movie. So Steven Seagal. Uh, where about that? Yeah. He's just so walking. The black dude that wasn't Donald Glover. Well, you miss that Predator. he's walking because yeah. you already get movie cheese shots where you like you see the one like bike cop in slow mo swabbing his hair. Yeah, yeah he yeah. has an earring, so you know he's a bad guy. Dude. And Steven Seagal, his character, he ain't no dumbass. He suspects troubles afoot. But then he shows up and the fucking police chiefs are just like, I hate this guy. Yeah. He's like, renegade cop doesn't <laughs> fall by the rules. He's literally Steven a loose Seagal. cannon cop on the edge. That's his character. So the, so the vice president finishes his speech and then drives off in a limo. Steven Seagal sees two bike cops uh, trade a package, I guess. He, they trade a device and he's like, 
He's a fucking super. He's got big brain, so yeah, he knows something's afoot. And all these bike cops, they've all got the helmets and the fucking and the fucking like uh, aviator shades. They all look like the, they all look like the fucking T one thousand. Yeah, so a fucking group of T one thousand bike cops. T one thousand, Mister Smith. T one thousand, Mister Smith. Bike so, cops. So the guy's driving, and it looks like what were they explosives they put on the yeah, side of the car? Yeah, they basically put on mini explosives yeah. to attack the vice president. Then there's like this helicopter flying overhead. Big ass, loud red helicopter like, with a look big like a news, smiley like, face. Like a lo- like, so it looked like a news copter. Yeah. But the guy, it was packing a fucking minigun. So basically, the VP is now stuck on a bridge as like all these bad guys are freaking blocked off the bridge and stuff. I need to say also, it was a bright red helicopter with a smiley face on it that said, have a nice day. So Mick Foley's helicopter starts opening fire on the cops. Seagal kills the bad guy that was driving a truck. Well, there was a bad guy dressed up as a pastry chef. Yeah. He like freaking like, it's like people ask him to move his thing. And then he like, okay, I'll move he it. He pulls out, what do you call out two Uzis? Yeah, he goes like fucking John Woo. And then freaking like, <laughs> Seagal just pops up in his El Camino. Like freaking just like hard breaks, pops out, shoots him. And then freaking he like takes his hat and disguises as him as he drives the pastry truck. That's supposed to be some like... They were going to use as part of the bad guys' plan, but oh no, big brain Steven Seagal's here to like foil their plans. Then he drives the big truck into two bad guys who one of them doesn't move. He just stands there and keeps shooting. Dude, he, yeah, they literally was like, I thought they'd move out of the way. I was like, nope, he just ran over a guy. Yeah. It was a kind of a cool shot because when they, nope, when he hit him, like you see him get hit. And then like the way the cameras put his like fake badge lands in the frame, I'm like, Cool shot, bro. You had like a you had like a solid thirty seconds to get out of the way, Holmes. Dude, Steven Skull's big brain, bro. He can't mind control people to stand still. How do you know? So then he backs up the truck, and somehow this motherfucker's not getting hit, grazed, or even slightly concerned about the five dudes firing some machine guns and a motherfucker in a helicopter firing the minigun. Yeah, like literally, and Steven Seagal is telling the vice president, vice president, come here. Come to me. I'll yeah. get you out of here. And like the Secret Service is like, no, no, we got this. No, no. And they're just getting murked. Vice president, oh, come with me. And did you notice this? He then takes his handgun, his handgun, his basic forty-five. He shoots it at the helicopter. No, for some reason, I think he took someone's fucking handgun or something. He has a fucking, like, machine gun freaking pistol. Yeah. That thing was like, and I was like, yeah, the sound effects. And this dude, it's literally, but the thing is, the sound guy and any guy were fucking up because the handgun, because was just going, was, you could see, and then you could see the visual effects just going, bop, 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 bop. But the sound effects were going, I'm like, what the fuck? And then he shoots it at the helicopter. And he shoots the pistol at the helicopter. The helicopter explodes. Yeah, he takes out a helicopter with his fucking little mini pistol. He doesn't he doesn't kill the Gatling gun guy. He doesn't even shoot out the rotors. He doesn't kill the pilot and then it crashes like that one scene speaking of John Woo and Broken Arrow, which I always forget he made. No, he shoots the helicopter sometimes, and like like it's fucking metal slug, the thing explodes. I hit it in the right, I hit it in the right spot. It's like, He's choose your my- character. Marco, heavy machine gun. Bah, 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 bah. That's what that shit was. Are you doubting my shooting abilities? <laughs> he just, he just- I'm here to save the vice president. I'm not here to try to like target <laughs> off, off my stomach. <laughs> so that happens. 
And then he ducks the president on the other side of those weird stone things you see on Wait, bridges. The vice president, all the Secret Service peeps are all now dead, so only Steven Seagal is here to save He looks him. at the vice president and says, <clears throat> gotta do the Seagal voice. Sorry, sir. Sorry, sir. I gotta do it. Then he throws Sorry. the president over the bridge. And it's like, as he I goes, can't swim. Yeah, he's like, shit. I can't swim. I can't swim. Splash. I'm like, no, this year I can't remember because there wasn't much notes on it. I was like, does he just like able to fight off everyone or does like the whole like all the fucking the Marta cops show up? He and just kind of he just kind of takes him out. He yeah, just he kinda, shoots him. He kind of takes I guess he just takes him out and then like backup finally shows up. He shows yeah. his pads like, don't worry. I'm a cop. Oh, and then you just see like the fu- freaking vice president's being like pulled out of the water by some peeps in a boat and stuff. And yeah. friggin- And then he gets yelled at by his chief, who I think's name was. Yeah, you Frank. get the fucking newspaper edit thing where it's like chaos. Oh, and this, <laughs> this was <laughs> going to possess you to go on that bridge and start World War Three. And Steven Seagal says, <clears throat> I saved his life, Frank. 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 Secret Service was there. What if it went the other way? I didn't vote for him anyway. I didn't vote for him. That's how he fucking talks every fucking time. I know. <laughs> what the fuck? Is it that hard to emote? No. He I'm, doesn't even move. He I'm looks like he's using two muscles in his whole fucking no, face. I'm serious to go. If I emote, that shows weakness. And I never show weakness. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. 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 You're you're gonna hurt the good name of Aikido if you if you if you show feelings. Aikido is a real dangerous martial arts. Don't doubt it. Weren't you telling me last time that Aikido's kind of bullshit? No. Why would I say that? How dare you? Aikido's dangerous martial arts. Only the masters can do it. So they talk for a bit. Seagal shows a little emotion when the chief tells him the attackers were... And I didn't realize this. This, like, went fucking nowhere. He, he says the attackers were probably a local militant group. And then, according to the captions, because I couldn't hear, because Steven Seagal was, was, was apparently it was doing a, ASMR... Know, better than Bob Ross. Yeah. And he stands up and he goes, he goes, live by the sword, man. Live by the That's sword, what the man. caption says. It's like, well, we can't be doing that. Wait, what do you mean? <laughs> so the chief fires him because the department's sick of him. He's too well, reckless. They can really fire because it's like, yeah. no, well, I guess he fires him. Then he goes to the Green Beret, dude. Yeah. Oh, I called him Predator, dude. But either one's either one works. Yeah. He Yo, goes to the predator dude, dude. Predator dude. And he's just sitting there he's like, I know you're just going to go to the police union and try to freaking like uh, challenge this and try to get your job back. But it's like, no, 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 no. You've pissed off Secret Service this time. So we're going to make sure you're going to get the worst. And like, what are you going to do? It's like, we're going to move you to the crappy precinct on the other side of town. The 1 5. What? what? Uh, that uh, shit all. Uh, that shit all. So then we get to, because I still assume this was Detroit. Then we get to the real Detroit. This place is dead center in the hood as a DMX song plays. Well, DMX is like on the poster. I hope I get some DMX music. <laughs> did, did, did he did he put it in this contract that the only licensed music that could show up in his movies was him? Well, why not? Uh, you got to realize it's good marketing. Like, it, wor- it, 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 it works for your movie star. It, <laughs> DMX does sound like he has edgy music. What are you saying? I'm not a draw. That's how... Uh, you doubting my ability to get DMX over as a rapping superstar? That's how Phil Collins did it. I Don't mean, anytime, it. you know... I'll fuck you up with a keto. Die with a sword, man. So he goes in... Ever, really quick, you ever see Steven Seagal's at, like, martial arts, like, 
things where he actually does his Aikido and stuff. Yeah, he just sh- he just like he just like takes people's hands. He like moves it over. They like oversell it, and he just go like, see. That's what I was gonna say. Do you, do you think he paid folks to do that? No, Aikido is a freaking uh, not a good martial arts where they don't have practical uh, like live training practice. But no, it'll be too dangerous. If we actually like practice. Isn't Aikido li- just live. judo? But they try to throw in joint manipulation. Well, see, the joint manipulation is legit, but the fucking weird like thing they're doing, it's like if there was someone actually resisting, it wouldn't work out that way. Because I remember I asked my dad once about Steven Seagal's like martial arts, because because dad thinks Steven Seagal is kind of cool in the movies. But I asked him like about his martial arts and I'm paraphrasing, but he basically said I, I asked him about Aikido and stuff. And he was like, oh, yeah, because keep in mind, my dad, black belt karate guy taught the shit. He, I asked him about Aikido and he was like, oh, yeah, that's bullshit. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, so well, there's no like literally it doesn't work because like how it's practiced like they don't have like live resistance training to like yeah. actually try and make it practical. Jeet Kune Do is a more legit martial art yeah. than Aikido. Yeah, and long- that was invented by one guy. Yeah, yeah. only and sort of. It's like a little bit more legit in its basics, but how it's practiced in live simulations, they don't do it as much and stuff. It's not like a Brazilian jiu-jitsu where they actually practice or like a boxing or kickboxing where they actually like live train and stuff too with resistance and stuff. Yeah. To actually like prep for situational. This is just like you just practice some moves and just like, ah, scenario, you do this. This is way more interesting than the actual movie. So he goes into the police station. He sees rowdy cops and crooks and stuff. It's a fucking madhouse. He sees a pretty, pretty lady and he's like who runs the circus hey who runs the circus she's like follow me like well what are you doing here and he's like (laughs) oh yeah yeah it's like i've been uh, my name is boyd i've moved i was i've been like orin boyd such a weird whatever i'm seagal i've been moved here (laughs) it's like well come with me and he finds out that the pretty lady is the chief yeah and whoopsies. Like, oh, whoopsies. Sorry for the rough impression. Sorry, first impression's already done. So she, I've heard about you, boy. So she oh, have you now. So, so she tells him Dude, we're gonna be doing Seagull voice all fucking. So she tells we him We just <laughs> barely start this and we're already like 15 minutes in. We've not even done we're only done like 10 minutes of the movie. So she tells him Fuck you, Seagull. What the fuck? <laughs> so she tells him he's got excessive force he's got ex- extensive ah, excessive force issues. And that she's in charge. He doesn't call the shots. So she tells him, I was going to put you behind the desk, but I have a better idea. Well, don't worry. I can't type. So, oh yeah. So he says, I can't type. Hey, I can't type. So she sends him to an anger management therapy class with Tom Arnold. Yeah. When I saw that, I was like, what the fuck? (laughs) Why? And hey, it's fucking Tom Arnold in this motherfucking movie. Like, well. There's a lot of bleed over from this movie into Cradle to the Grave. So it's like I'm convinced it's the same universe. It's like same universe. It's like, God fucking damn it. Why is Tom Arnold here? Ah, God. Playing what's he playing? A cringy white guy. Yes. He was a cringy, angry white guy. It was the same character. I'm convinced it was the same character. Minus all the racist shit. All the freaking Asian. There was a couple racist shits. Yeah, but like literally. Smaller role. Like every time he was on camera, half his dialogue was saying fucking Chinese freaking slur to like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Chinese. Like in Cradle to the Grave, he's like straight up racist. His character. I'm sure Tom Arnold's not racist. Racist in the year of 2021. Back then, no one gave a fuck. No, 2003, not 2023. It's not 2023 yet. No, it's not. Give it two years. Give it two years. Yeah. And like, yeah, Tom Arnold. present day of like a year of 2021. Tom Arnold shit would not fly. But back yes. in 2003, 
People that was the norm. People didn't give a fuck as much. It's like, oh, oh, oh cute humor, whatever. So the gimmick is it's a support group of wackos, and there's a therapist that doesn't really care because this was 2001, and mental health was a punchline back then. So she shuts up Tom Arnold, who, who hogs all the mic time. Yeah, he won't shut the fuck up. And she tries to talk to Seagal, but he's not having it. He's like, I forget what he says, but he's basically just like, I got nothing to say. So hey, I got nothing sure to say. other people who want to talk more. So it's like, and then she starts psychoanalyzing him and telling she's his like, friggin' her report, and he's like, "I ain't like, what are you talking about?" And he like starts standing up, and then the desk is stuck, and then he just fucking angrily breaks the desk. Great unintentional foreshadowing, by the way, of how fat he'd become. <laughs> uh, so he rips his desk apart. And he just smashes it. He goes. I'm a happy guy. Hey, I'm a happy guy. What See this face? See? This is a happy face. Okay, I'm, and I'm sitting there like, you know what? That's actually pretty funny. That was funny. Steven Skull's funny is like, you can laugh at him. But that was like intentionally fun. That was meant to be comedy. It was pretty funny. You know, Skull could be a funny guy. Mostly because you can laugh at him. So he goes outside and he sees some dudes trying to break into his truck. And he's just like, he, he tells him, she's like, hey, man, you got to you gotta be quick. Get in, get out, man. Why don't you let me show you how to do that? I'm the master. I'm paraphrasing. I was like, oh, yeah? Show us. And so then he, he pulls, like, pulls out, out the keys. keys. <laughs> and like clicks open the truck. And he's like, and then like these thugs are like, oh, so it's your tr- truck and stuff. Then Tom Arnold fucking runs out. It was like, why? Stay the fuck away, Tom Arnold. He's like, come back to class. All the guys love you. They're ripping, they're taking off their shirts. They're ripping off their desks and shit and but then he finds that oh and by the way can I point out I know this isn't I'm sure this wasn't intentional all the people trying I think except one maybe all the people trying to break into there's like six of them all the people trying to break there's into like his five. truck are minorities oh god damn it <laughs> You're not wrong. I just they know were for sure all minorities. It was mostly the Asian twins that you can like. Those yes. are the most like notable characters. Yeah, everyone because, else is just like oh, because yeah. he sees they're packing heat, and so he's like, "Well, they got like one of them flexes that one of them got a gun." And Tom Arnold's like, "I don't know this guy. What are you talking about?" And he runs away. But then before that, he's just like, he's just like, "By the way, guys, I'm a radio DJ," which makes a lot of sense. No, he but a, he's radio like radio DJ. No, he's like a freaking like TV a, host. Yeah, sorry. And then he's like, "Next week, I'm doing a special on violent twins. You guys should you guys should show up." The two Asian guys. And then the one guy's like, "Man, enough of this shit." And the guy's like, "Wait, you two aren't twins?" That was that was yeah. Tom Arnold's got zingers. So, so whatever. He, so he kicks with, their asses. Yeah, There's a lot of quick. Yeah, he like chucks one like ha- like a freaking mile all off through a fucking okay, car. Was I wrong? Did he not do that? By he like grabbed him by the elbow like this and then flipped him and then he flew like ten feet. Yeah. So Seagal's a fucking superhero. What are you talking about? That's what. <laughs> that's how I usually fight. I'm a dangerous man. Trying to just think of like cringy superhero shit, but then like he says like I'm <clears throat> like I am vengeance. I am the night. I am vengeance. I am Batman. I am Batman. Right. Truth, justice, the American way. I think he has said something like that. Oh, God. So but anyway, whatever. yeah. So he beats these guys up. There's there's a, the edits here for the fight were kind of quick and honestly a little messy. And they try to make him look athletic. Oh, God. The worst fucking part is he dropped toe hold kicks a guy, but then like catches himself on his hand and props himself back up. I'm like, I don't care how thin he is. You're trying to tell me Steven Seagal can do that. No, he can't. No, he can't. Yeah, no. You can't do that. No. <laughs> Mo- I'm sure most wrestlers can't do that. Yeah. It looked like he was breakdancing. 
Yeah, so freaking Seagull basically weeps, whips all their asses. Arnold, Arnold, and freaking Tom Arnold, Tom Arnold, and all the peeps in anger management, including like the freaking lady too that was running it, are out there and like I guess he gets. Yeah, parated. she's like, she's like, this is not how you take out your anger. But then fucking Tom Arnold simping over the guy, he all buzz like, yeah, you're so cool. And then Steve, this was actually it's like, this funny. Take out your anger. It's like, dude, these peeps were trying to jack his truck. And then Steven Seagal looks the lady. She's like, what do you say? He said, uh. You see how happy I make others. Again, that was kind of funny. That's what he says. You know what? He's a comedian. So now the real star shows up. DMX is here oh, in God. a gray fucking turtleneck. Do you see that turtleneck? Hey, DMX got drip. Well, you get just the DMX. <laughs> so drip? he goes into a police station. He's walking into the police station to his own music. No, he's going to a fucking county jail to his own music and stuff. Yeah. And so, then, like, I wrote down, like, dude, it's the same geek from the movie we watched last time. Was that the guy? Yeah, it was like the fucking, like, I wrote down as the geek. Cradle of the Grave has to be a sequel. It has to be a sequel. I don't care. Whatever. It has to be a sequel. It's something. So sad boy DMX. He's looking so sad. I need to say this now. DMX like actually tries to like, he acts in this movie. It's not like Cradle of Grave where he yells a bit or he does some crazy action, but not too much. He's like actually acting. He's like performing. And I'm going to tell you this right now. He's not half bad. And like I said in our text message I sent you last night when we were talking he with comes also a very sad person like he's able his, like, DMX, his character is supposed to be a sad person yeah and he's coming off as a pretty sad person DMX out acts Steven Seagal by like a lot yeah no and I just wrote down I was like Kazoo, in Cradle to the Grave he's kind of like how Hayden Christensen is in like the freaking Star Wars prequels he's a one or he goes a hundred oh, oh, he's yeah, one yeah. or he goes all ten there's no there's very much little in between yeah one minute but this he, where he was pretty neutral for most of this movie yeah one minute he's like I hate sand or he's like or he's like I had a dream a vision last night or, he, or he's I just like sand. you have brought him here to kill me uh, <laughs> What's some other shit he says when he yells? Oh, dude. oh no, you remember the part where he gets Padme, lit on fire? Don't worry, Padme. I'm gonna kill the don't worry, I'm gonna kill the Emperor. We're all gonna rule the universe. And again, I don't wanna rule the universe. You brought him here to kill me! Or, or, or one of the best ones where he gets set on fire after uh, Obi-Wan amputates him. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay, that one at least makes sense a bit because he's like on fire and dying. So uh, this is where the fun begins. You know, dude, I'm telling you right now, dude, those prequel movies are fucking brutal. Like, I don't know. I'm honestly a little surprised that third one got a PG-13. Anakin's killing kids. He, well, he's, we don't see him actually killing the kids. No, but you like, do actually. You actually do for a second on like Holovid, though. Oh, yeah. That's yeah. right. Movie was dark. Anyway, so yeah, DMX shows up. He goes Everyone to Vinny. told me you killed children. <laughs> Damn it. No, no more Star Wars. No more Hey Christmas to talk. We could talk Star Wars, but not that so shit. So sad boy DMX goes to visit his buddy in prison and he's like, don't worry, stay strong. I well, got it's the his, streets well, covered. Uh, well, in the character, it's his brother. Well, we didn't know that at the time. Yeah, at the time. Spoilers. Like, spoilers. <laughs> spoilers. Seriously, they throw like 40 plot twists at the end. It's ridiculous. But yeah, so sad. I know this movie is ridiculous. Sad DMX is pretty like convincing. He he he, he really looked like he had like the tight lift. His eyes were he was like. He looked like the IRS was trying to hunt him down. <laughs> 
So DMX and Anthony fucking Anderson, bro. I'm telling you right now, the geek, Anderson, um, Tom Arnold, and DMX, they had to have been homies. They had to have been friends. Really? I couldn't guess that. So they could have What's they, not watch Romeo Must Die if they show up in that motherfucking fuck. Oh god oh, damn it! Fuck. Yeah, no, I I don't know. I'm just I'm Let's just finished like, it. God damn, we're gonna watch Romeo Must Die next, aren't we? Are we? You know, there's part of you that wants to. They go to a car dealership because now, now we're curious to see if the same cast shows up. They go to a car Does dealership. Fucking Tom Arnold show the fuck up. <laughs> I don't want to look it up. They go. I won't for our sanity. I won't. So they go to a car dealership and then I don't hope this doesn't sound offensive, although it probably doesn't sound any less offensive than when you go racist against white people. But we meet the whitest black guy you've ever seen. Yes. He, he walks, literally tells this dude who's got a, like the mullet or like pretty long, like freaking top. Yeah. Like this show and he's like, because DMX and Anthony Anderson walk in and he's like, oh, don't worry. These are my people. He walks up to them and he goes, um. Good afternoon, my homies. My name is Alan Morris. If there's anything I can help you with, I'm your dog. <laughs> yep. And Anthony Anderson is just a fucking hundred. He's a hundred this whole movie. This whole fucking the scene. The whole movie. He's just like, damn, is that the 993 Turbo? It's like, it's like damn, baby. Damn, no, he hops. No, it's like uh, the funniest ones where he hops into the Rolls Royce. Yeah, he pops in a fucking cassette mixtape. He starts bumping it. It's like, yeah, that's right, Miss Johnson, shake your ass. He cringes up this. He cringes out this old white lady who's trying to look for a car, and she's just like not happy. He's like, yeah, that's it, shake it, Miss Johnson. Mmm. He's fucking funny. And the answer was great. I think they wrote well. this script, and they're just like, X, look serious, Anthony. Anthony do the exact opposite. Anthony, I don't think they gave him lines. Do stuff. I think they told him You're, just do stuff. Do stuff. And DMX, he's just serious. He's looking around the cars and stuff. And he eventually finds like a Lamborghini. Yeah. And if he, and so Anthony's like, damn, how much is this? 200? And the guy's like, 285, actually. And then X, like, is like is he's like, he's like, he's like, let me turn it on. He's like, oh, we can't do that. But then the chill white dude, throws X the key, he turns it on, he's revving it. Yeah, he's just revving this freaking, like, this Lambo in the freaking shop, and, like, he's pissing off the freaking, like, black salesman. And one moment, he's just like, he just says, like, can you please turn it the fuck on? And then he turns it off. Can you please turn this motherfucker off? And then, like, DMX does, like, you know, you don't have to yell. You could just ask nicely. You can just ask nicely. You'll get much better results that way. And he's like, leave! I want you to leave now. No, I'm buying. It's like, no, I'm buying this car. Oh, yeah. With what money? And then and Anthony it, Anderson had a duffel bag this whole time. He plops it open. And he said, cash. He says there's 300,000. There's $300,000 in there. He's like, he's like, he's like, no, X is like, I think you better start on the paperwork. And Yo, then start on the paperwork. And he's like, and he, and he's like, make sure he, the guy that threw X. Yeah. Just like the, there's just a dude just chilling. Yeah. He's like, make sure he gets the commission and he throws the duffel bag to him. And Alan Morris. Is, is all pissed off. It was like, the homies come back anytime. Oh, my commission. That was a good scene. That scene's on YouTube. It's got like over a million views. Yeah, and that's the scene I swear I remember watching on television. You know, it's weird. I almost felt like I remember it too, but then I don't know. I, I, I Everything I like else Mandela. is a blur. Everything else is a blur. But that scene, I feel like you remember DMX yeah. buying a freaking pretty, ja- like a pretty, like extravagant, like freaking silver I think Lamborghini. That's how he bought his cars. 
I think he just rolled in, duffel bag, found one he liked, threw the money at a guy, and then just drove off. Yeah. Because he does. They don't even do up the paperwork. He just takes the car. <laughs> and then freaking, like, they're, like, just mobbing down the street. Anthony Anderson's got his fat ass up, hanging over the roof. He's like, ew, baby. And then, like, freaking DMX takes a sharp turn. He's like, God damn, you almost saw me out. I was like, hey, don't be doing stupid shit. I don't even, like... I don't think he's even like he's not even supposed to like get he like he doesn't have his stuff. If he gets pulled over, he gets fucked. Kind yeah. Of thing. So we cut to night where we see Steven Seagal driving around and somehow miraculously he catches Anthony spying on something, which we find out his ex cutting a deal with someone. He's like, doesn't anybody sleep anymore? So Seagal confronts him and he's like, oh, hey, man, what's up? And he's like, hey, what are you, what are you doing? Bird watching? He's like, no, nah, man, I'm just checking up on my old lady. He, that's what he said. Anything yeah. else to say? He's like, I'm checking on my old lady, and so he takes the he takes the binoculars. He sees X, and then some guy who we don't know who it is yet. And then uh, Anthony leans over the side because he realizes that Seagal's probably a cop. He's like, Favo, it's Favo, and then someone drives away in a bright. This is how you know it's the early 2000s. Someone drove away in a bright ass yellow Hummer. Yep. And I wanted one of those. I'm glad I never got one. Yeah. So freaking Seagull whips freaking Anthony's ass ish and basically handcuffs him to his tr- to the tr- to his yeah. like truck's grill. Yes. Then he like goes inside or something. Yeah. And then he interrupts the deal. But Anthony Anderson's able to tip him off. He's like, Favo. And then uh, yeah, because DMX is doing some drug deal with some like dude. And like Seagull just comes in, busts it, busts it and stuff too. Yeah. Starts shooting. And stuff. I'm going to cut to the best part real quick. The best part is when Steven Seagal punches him at X in the face and then DMX grabs a chain and then wall runs and then kicks Steven Seagal in the face. Amazing. Yep. Amazing. X gets away and then meanwhile uh, Seagal cuffs the other guy and he's like but uh oh SpaghettiOs it's an undercover cop and then we get one of the funniest scenes in the whole movie. Yeah. He said, he's like, damn. He said, yeah. Yeah, because like the cop's like, dude, I've been working on this for months and now you just ruined everything. I can't wait to see what promotion that we give you. And then, ah, I feel good. We see Seamus Seagal as a fucking traffic cop as I Feel Good by James Brown plays. Ugh. That well, was I do feel good. so funny. Yeah, it's great to watch like Steven Skull actually have to do like get humiliated. Work. Yes, it's the best. Oh, dude, people are yelling at him. Cars are crashing into each other. He said uh, he uh, he said something to like one lady who was like, "Hey, don't blow a gasket or whatever." She's like, "Blow this or whatever." Cars are crashing. Dudes get in fights. Oh, that was great. Yeah, so pretty much the goal was pretty fucked there. But then we got pop into the boys' locker room at the precinct and stuff, too. And dudes are taking taser bets at the moment. Is that a thing? I don't know, but these wild dudes are basically like, all right, what power, how much power can you take of this taser and stuff? And will you be standing or will you drop down? And they're taking bets if they stand or fall. They bully Seagal into doing it. And he's like, oh, yeah, give it to him at 25. And then one of the cops, whose name's like Mantini or something. Yeah, like this big <clears throat> buff white dude, basically. He puts out a hundred percent. Seagal's like taking it and he drops down and he just saying, I was like 25% my ass. Yeah. And, and, and then he tries to start whipping the freaking like yeah, big buff it, white dude. But then I'll freaking someone is able to like stop the white dude. And it's Michael J. White. And I'm like, oh shit, Michael J. White's in this movie. That's right. And I'm, and I'm just like, and I'm just like, oh, and I'm just like, oh wow, Steven Seagal had to had to job out to a taser at max setting, but then he gets his heat back because then he beats up the big blonde guy, and then yes, yo, he was looking buff, the Michael White, dude, Michael J. White is freaking jacked. Yeah, but I know he was that jacked. Come on, it's Black Dynamite, bro. <laughs> Very true. 
But yeah, it was actually kind of cool because the German guy whose name's like, I forget his name. Let's just call him, uh, let's just call him Wiener Schnitzel. Yo, he fucking go- big buff Wiener Schnitzel. He goes to punch him, but then uh, Black Dynamite catches him with the hook of his arm and he's like, what does he say? He says, the bad guys are out there, not in here. I just bad I like guy. that line. He's like, bad guys are He's out there. He's a sergeant, there, dude. His here. name's like Sudget or something. I don't it's know. Michael J. White. He's Black Dynamite. So so Seagal leaves, and this one cop comes out to him. Name's George. And he's like, yo, what's up, man? You're a legend. Is it true you beat a guy unconscious with a dead cat? And Steven goes, no. The cat wasn't dead. So whatever. I call this guy the fanboy. <laughs> yeah, he's a fanboy. He's a fanboy in my notes. I never got his name. You never really get the fucking people's names in these movies. Really don't. So I just wrote down like either the actor or like the person's name. And I just wrote or just like a word like, you know, like IE geek for freaking DMX's brother or freaking this guy. Or DMX for DMX. Yeah. Or freaking the fanboy for this dude. So Steven Seagal, I, I, I'm going to be honest, I, I don't even remember like the lieutenant lady's name. I just kept calling her. I didn't even remember. I don't even remember her rank. I just kept calling her the commander lady. I just call her a chief or something. So then Steven asks him about DMX. And he's like, oh, that's Latrell Williams. I'm like, that's such a Latrell Williams. That sounds like the name of some of like a, of a guy in, of a character in Madden. But yeah, he's like, that's Latrell Williams. So Steven goes to like try to access the log books, finds nothing. But then he goes downtown where the records are because he asked the guy. He's like, hey, can you look up something for me? He's like, no, go to records. Yeah, because he's in like. What seemed like the freaking uh, shop where people were working on like the freaking like where they do maintenance on the police cars, but it yeah. looks like a fucking chop shop. Yeah. Someone's fucking just like welding off the back. I'm like, who the fuck's welding on fucking cop cars? <laughs> Can't have shit in Detroit. So he goes. So he goes to records, and then there's a family of. Yeah, he's literally like, I'm just going down Hall Records, looking up a person, and he find he's just walking. He finds like a group of people just tied up by duct tape on the floor. I'm just it was like, a janitor and his family, who of course were Mexican. Yes. The Mexican janitor. Oh, and he's it's like, like and find he's, my daughter, Maria. And of course the daughter's name's Maria. Like, I'm not trying to be that my guy. My daughter, Maria. I, like, just, <laughs> I can't help but point that out. Mexican janitor, daughter named Maria. I mean, that's pretty. You also had the dad mullet, too. <laughs> he had a mullet. He had the Mexi dad mullet. So Stephen frees the do- frees them, saves the daughter. Like, frees the, he frees them. He goes into the, finds the daughter. Then he finds the freaking peeps that and are I'm going like, to be honest. I was, a, mo- I was sorry. I was, I was really uncomfortable because of some of the allegations against Steven Seagal. I felt really uncomfortable when he told the little girl, it's okay. I'm not one of the bad guys. And then he grabbed her hand. Wow. You make it really, you really made it uncomfortable. I wasn't thinking that, but I. Shows you how much I really want to pay attention to Steven Seagal. <laughs> it's a it's a good thing you don't. I just want to watch him like talk in a soft voice. Or maybe he's like rock style playing blues guitar. <laughs> you know, the blues albums actually aren't half bad. Like there is basic blue albums you can get, but they're not like bad. Cool. You ever seen live footage trying to see Steven Seagal play guitar live? Yeah, he looks fat and sweaty. <laughs> it's fucking awful. But he's ripping it. <laughs> oh, man. So, yeah. So then he gets blasted at by a bunch of dudes in ski masks. This was OK. So the scene where he goes to records, gets the girl, gets shot at and then leaves and then SWAT shows up. This was like a five minute scene, but nothing like really of substance happened. 
Like, the way I recapped it, that's just what happened. Yeah, whatever. So, yeah, he fights off with these militant, like, prep-looking so dudes. So, he talks. SWAT shows up. Yeah. And he, like, shows his badge and stuff. They, like, look away. Then, like, the whole fucking scene shows up to the freaking Hall Records. He pops into the, like, surveillance truck to check out the footage and stuff. And he says, and he saw six dudes uh, stealing 50 kilos of heroin, they said. Which, From the police wh- vault. Which, uh, Google Calculator tells me that's a lot. 50 kilos. Apparently that's a lot. Yeah. So he believes that he recognizes X as one of the guys because during the footage, well, he like, zooms in on a guy with a watch. And it's like, you can see right there. He's a black gentleman. <sighs> that, that framing was so awkward because it was like black and white, but fucking whatever. Yeah. 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 But uh, whatever. So at back of the locker room, chief yells at him, but then, you know, they do some dialogue, but then basically the point is she's like, she's like, you know what? I'm going to put you back out on the street, but you're working the beat and you have a partner. Say hi, George, the fanboy. Yeah. So friggin' yeah, the chief pairs up to go with the fanboys like, oh, why? Then the next day, the craziest thing happened in this next scene. Uh, when Seagal, uh, cause Seagal gets woken up at his house by the, by, by fanboy, by the fanboy. And then, but then they go out on patrol and then the craziest thing happens. We get some character development. Yeah, well, no, they literally for, they have for like they have breakfast and they start doing an exposition dump. That's really what it is. So they talk about, you know, he talks about how he grew up here. He's got a wife and kids. Seagal reveals how his wife left him. They eat they eat at a diner and Seagal's like, hey, what's up with that douchey cop, Montanelli? George is like, oh, he's a douche, but he's kind of an action hero. Like Montel yeah, Montini. Then he's like, Well, what about the German guy? And then if I remember right. The fanboy basically said, oh, yeah, he was undercover down south for a KKK ring and he single handedly brought it down by himself. I just wrote down he beat up the KKK. That's what he basically said. Exposition <laughs> dumped. Then he asked, had a little bit more details, but yeah, they just basically said, oh yeah, he was able to beat up like Strutters. the Strutters. That's, that's, that's Michael White's character. Then he asked about Michael White's character and he's like, you know what? He's, he's cool. cool. He's, he's cool, nice. He's a nice, cool dude. So as they're talking, Steven Seagal sees the yellow Hummer from the bust, and he finds out it's that like, the I know that Hummer. And he's like, and then according to uh, the fanboy. fanboy who also recognizes it, he's like, oh yeah, that's what was Anthony Anderson? Oh, who cares? Well, Anthony, he finds out that's Anthony Anderson's car, and he owns a club named Static. So we go to the club named Static. We go to Static, and we see hot. Topless body painter stripper ladies. It's Anthony Anderson just getting horned the fuck out. He's like, oh yeah, baby, squeeze that green on him. Mm, yeah, I like a little color. Now put him on the glass. Titties for y'all. Titties for y'all. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I'm tempted to put Anthony Anderson in the Hall of Awesome. I don't know. We'll see in Romeo Must Die. <laughs> oh, are we watching it now? You might as well at this point. Fuck. We're completionists, so. So, um... Oh, and I swear I thought I saw Chris Rock in the background, like as an uncredited background role. At least the guy looked like Chris Rock. Yeah. So I found it funny. So Anthony Anderson goes up to his office. I found it really funny that Tax Fraud X is counting money in someone's office that's not his. (laughs) God damn it. So they but sh- he starts having a heart to heart with Anthony yeah, Anderson. Yeah, yeah, because Anthony's hey, like, watch me evade taxes. But hey, I want to talk to you, heart to heart, man. It's like, you mean where would I be me? without you? Where would I be without you? And Anthony, Anderson's as he's like, trying to avoid the IRS. <laughs> <laughs> oh fuck! Oh, fuck! Yo, can you pass me a liquid death? Okay. Oh god. Oh shit, that's right. I, I forgot I have a water in there. I need it right now, man. I'm feeling it. This mo- this movie got me uh, acting a fool. 
Yeah, I don't have much too much details on this. It's just like, yeah, just at the club, friggin' they're at like some club with naked body painters and stuff. DMX is counting money. Anthony Anderson, like, I think he says something. I was like, oh, yeah, why don't you like legitly just friggin' like, you know, like by hand, you're like rich enough to. But yeah, friggin', what the fuck are you doing? My water bottle fell and it got stuck right there, so I was moving it out the way. Okay. Ugh. But, and all that stuff. They have like a heart to heart, but then freaking they notice Seagal starts pop pops up. No, Anthony Anderson goes oh, down yeah, to get like funny. DM because DMX like, hey man, wanna grab me a drink? And he's like, yeah, I'll get you a drink. He goes down to the bar. Yeah, he has he's, some like, banner with this lady. He's, yeah, whereas like he was supposed like he's been trying to make plans with her to go take her out a date, but like Anthony Anderson's a busy guy, so yeah, like he keeps like freaking um. I almost spit my water out because the next scene's pretty funny because he's like. Because she's like, why are you going to make plans with me? He's like, come on, baby. I just got to make a couple more. I just got to take care of a couple things. And the next thing you know, be just you and me. And then, and then, and then, and then you can, and then he turns around, sees Steven Seagal, and he goes, fuck me. Yeah, he's like, oh, fuck me. She's like, mm, now you're talking. Mm, now you're talking. It's like, no, 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 no. Steven Seagal has arrived in my club. Yo, Steven Seagal arrives in your club. You know there's only trouble. I would be terrified. I was like, you know what? I think I'm going to like call it early night. Steven Seagal has appeared. So he gets his ass kicked again. But before Seagal can smash his face in with a bottle, he gets saved by this big buff dude who Anthony Aronson's call refers to as... His sumo N-word. Well, not hard R, but still. Whatever. That's what he calls him. So this big Samoan guy. He's like, he's going to turn your ass into sashimi. As I was drinking. Yeah, I know. He's like, he's going to turn your ass into sashimi. So Steven Seagal, as I wrote here, beats up the big buff minorities. Well, like... They're, like, big and strong, so he can actually get away, like, actually, like, getting beaten a little bit. Yeah, a little bit. He, You get some Seagal actually selling, and him trying to do, like, athletic bullshit, I'm like, no, I see your beer gut, bro. <laughs> what the fuck are you doing? And then he, like, but there's, like, also chains hanging down, so he starts wrapping chains around his fists. Oh, yeah, he and just he start, starts punching them with him. Yeah, he starts punching peeps with fucking his chain fists. Meanwhile, X is- Yeah, there's, like, two big beefy bouncers- yeah. Meanwhile, X escapes because he sees all this happening. Yeah, he's he, like DMX. Yeah, he's like, oh shit, that guy. I need to bounce the fuck out. Oh shit, out. It's the IRS. And so X runs into George, and you know he's like, get your hands on the wall, whatever. But then like he he gets in a quick scuffle with him, and then I wrote here, X does some like guns akimbo slash the boss from MGS three shit where their guns are on the ground. DMX does a fucking cartwheel and grabs the gun, and they got the guns at each other, and then. George, fanboy goes to click, pull the trigger, but it clicks because somehow, some way, DMX took out his clip and then... Or he never loaded the gun in the first place. Yeah. And then he unloads the clip from his gun. And then, I don't know why I thought this was funny. Anthony Anderson comes up behind George, hits him in the back with a pipe, and then he's like, grab your gun, dog, let's go. I don't know why, I just thought something about that line was funny. Yeah, so basically, if Anthony Anderson DMX bounce out, like, DMX is able to hop over the friggin', like, uh, dumpster and stuff. Yeah. Anthony Anderson can't hop over, so he tries to go through the corner, gets stuck. He's like, damn it, man, I'm messing up my Versace. What the fuck? I'm like, what the fuck's a Versace? Yo, it's Versace suit. So then, okay, so then, um... George and George and Seagal raid the office. George is pissed because he's like, what the fuck are we doing here? Dude, I almost died. What the <laughs> fuck? I almost died. Like, he had a gun to my face. 
What am I doing? What are we doing here? No, we so need to call backup. Seagal does. What are you doing? He's like, no, we don't need to call backup. Seagal, Seagal finds a visiting pass to visit X's homie. And so so then Steven Seagal goes to visit DMX's homie. Now, this was like a five-minute scene. Maybe it was, maybe it wasn't. I'm going to summarize it all right here. And if you feel that maybe I missed something important, please feel free to fill in. This scene basically goes, um, um, do you know Latrell Williams? No. You sure? You sure? Yeah. Double sure? Yeah. All right. And that's it. Was there anything else in that scene? Yeah, when he talked, when he went to go investigate the gate, because he couldn't, the guy wasn't gonna say much, so he was just like, he like was doing some exposition dump, talking about, I was like, yeah, so you're locked in with like being caught with heroin and all this stuff, and he's just like, you know what, I ain't saying shit. Okay, then, not much I can do here. Bye. <laughs> yeah. But here's the thing, then we get like an even more useless scene because then we see Montini and like the boys are just having a drink. And I'm talking like, about the best sports guys of all time. And like Michael J. White is like, no, he's like, you know who the best is? Muhammad Ali. He could beat you with his mind. And I'm like, what's the point of this fucking scene? I guess to show that they're friends. Well, it literally was because friggin' oh, said because again, ugh. basically because big, blah, 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 blah. sorry. So Skull's still investigating, and then he finds stuff about Montini because like, so wait. Basically, who locked up friggin' DMX's brother in jail? And he's like, oh, that was Montini. Oh, that was Montini? Well, let me look into this, like, trail that. So then we see Montini's coming out of the bar. So I'm like, okay. So at least I guess there's something with the scene. And he hops in his car. And yeah, DMX is there with a gun to his head. And then, uh-oh, SpaghettiOs, we find out they were working together the whole time, you guys. X is like, like oh my god. X is... X is like, who the fuck is this baldy, squinty-eyed douchebag following me? And 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 Montequia is like, hey man, Montini. he ain't one of ours. But by the way, I got a fat hit coming. You want five million? And X is like, okay, we'll do business. And we'll do business. And the next deal got out. up. So next we see Seagal in a fucking strip club. I swear to God, Seagal has to do like. There's a common reoccurring theme in like Seagal movies where he has to walk into a strip club and topless yeah. ladies. Oh yeah, and then he we see uh what I write here? We see uh Steven Seagal goes to visit Tom Arnold who is at a strip club with titties in his face. Yeah, Tom Arnold's chilling there and he's got titties in his face. That's what's happening. It's a quick scene where stuff technically happens, but it feels rushed. Well, Seagal, basically, they're like more exposition dump. I yeah. think like he likes to go ask him to see if like he can get some information for him. And like Tom, I was like, oh, yeah, 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 no, I got you, my dog. I got you. I, I can find you some stuff. I know some people because he's like some weird investigative journalist on some freaking uh, public access yeah. television show. He did like a, a he did like a story on the mafia. And I guess he was able to, yeah, get some information and stuff. So Seagal's like, hey, geek, find out who Latrell Wilson's is. And, and then we get, like, we see the chief, mm-hmm. the lady commander chief. She's out to dinner in a nice restaurant. And, like, she's Does talking and stuff. Did that look familiar she was with? I don't know. But mm-hmm. all we know is Seagal appears. It's like, God fucking damn it. Why are you always, in, like, uh, intruding on people's thing? Tom Arnold's trying to get titties in his face, and now this lady's trying to have a nice <laughs> dinner. What the fuck are you doing? And so, he's like, hey, I need to talk to you. So, And then he sits down, and he's like, why are you with this guy? He's like, he's basically like, this guy's a geek. Also, I think something is amiss. She's like, okay. And he's just like, I think something's going on. So I need more proof though. I need more proof though. And then he walks And then like, I guess he does, like tells us like she's also part of internal affairs. 
Yeah, I forget how he found that out. Yeah, I was like, so I also hear a part of Eternal Affairs. Some of the, di- some of like, the oh, exposition was conveyed very clunkily. They just, they, you literally get two people, they sit down, they dump exposition, and then bounce out. Yeah. That's kind of what it was. It was like, all right, story moves on. Also, she randomly thinks Steven Seagal's kind of hot now. All right, well, or at least they've always kind of have like a boner so ish to DMX each other. Meets- hey, before we continue, let's take a quick break because good friend Dylan is here, and I want him to come in and not chill outside unless okay. he wants to get a sick tan. Okay. So, listeners, we will be back in a second. Second. Listeners, we're back. All right, let's continue on the shit. What the fuck were we? So, DMX goes to meet Montini, and they go to uh, cut their deal. And then, you know, they, they show up in an alleyway and then they get in a truck and then Montini's like, put this bag over your face. Well, they get into a van, not a truck. Oh, that was a van. I, mean, I thought it was a truck, my bad. So they go to the place. And then- <laughs> yeah. Yo, fucking villain reveal. It's not Montini. Literally. It's Michael J. White. Literally, he turns around on a chair in a chair, and what does he say? He's like, welcome, or something. He says some some cheesy shit. He says some cheesy villain line, and he's like, and he's I like, always wanted to do that. Like, like straight up, he's like, I wish I had a cat. <laughs> oh, it's funny. So, basically, the idea is that this secret wait, location... Wait, I always wrote down, yeah, Montini runs the DMX, Montini's dirty. Oh, wait, no, this is something else. Oh, my God, where the fuck am I? So, the idea is they're to help DMX... Where the fuck am I? God... To help. Oh, yeah, right. Montini picks up DMX and runs into Michael J. White. Dun, dun, dun. We just said that. Yeah, but I'm stupid. <laughs> so the idea is to help DMX move his drugs across the country. They're going to give D- sell DMX heroin-soaked T-shirts. Yeah, so I guess the thing is like, all right. Well, for us to move all these giant units of heroin that we have stolen, we found out in a way through the power of freaking Dexter's Laboratory Science Wizardry, we can like put the freaking heroin, we can turn heroin into a chemical that can lay it into the t-shirts, and thus we can use the t-shirts sealed up in a package that could be undetectable and move it anywhere in the freaking United States. I'm sure that can't be real. Yeah, but this is Steven Skull movie. So that this happens. So then, you died in my IQ, so, then Tom, so then Tom Arnold, get this shit. Tom Arnold goes to visit Steven Seagal. You want to talk about an info dump? I just read on Tom Arnold and his Merce. So the guy in prison wasn't ex's homie. That was his brother. Latrell is a guy named Sean who was a computer with DMX. Sean? I thought it was Leo. Leo, sorry. Leo, Sean's the dude in prison. Yeah, sorry. So then Leo. No, or Leon. Or Leon. 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 Whatever. So Leon. Leon. DMX is a computer whiz who made a killing selling cheap shit at this website called 999. Yeah, because during the freaking, yeah, around like the Y2K, early 2000s, there was a dot-com boom. And thus he had made a website of like freaking, it's like a $10 website where basically everything on that website was like night. $9.99 and was able to sell that uh was able to sell his business at a huge profit right before the crash of the dot com. So basically DMX was Jeff Bezos and X gets into this really fly ass brown suit. Steven Seagal gets into his truck. Then the next thing I know, I look down for two seconds to write those notes. Then some fools make Steven Seagal crash his car and then they throw him in the van. So then in the time it took yeah, me like, to- literally we're just chilling there. We get the info dump. Yeah. Freaking uh, DMX gets flied up. 
as we learn, he is a friggin' like internet whiz and stuff. Most likely setting up a website to use dis- distribution for the heroin and stuff through the t-shirts. So then the goal to start driving and then he crashes. So then in the time it took me to type that. Then it had been revealed to Seagal the cops were corrupt, and then he was already in the middle of making his escape. Uh, kicks a bunch of dudes, dudes fall out, whatever. Well, it's- like, literally, he's, like, handcuffed, tied up in the van, and they're about to kill him, but he's Steven Seagal. He does some Steven Seagal bullshit, I'm and the fucking sure. van, like, flips over. It's like, no, they were going to, like, put a friggin' poison needle in him. Yeah. But he was able to, like, kick Montini's hand, and, like, they like he stabs the friggin', like, driver with the poison needle and stuff. And it's just like they're having a freaking like crazy battle, and eventually the freaking like the van be- turns on, gets on fire, and like it just like the van like slides down. It's like cr- sliding across this fucking like intersection and gets hit by a freaking dump truck. But Steve Skull's already like out of the van, and Montini and the freaking Wiener Snitchel bro is already bounced the fuck out. The pacing in this movie is so whack. Oh god, yeah, no, pacing was hella whack. So then. He manages to escape. X rolls up to his apartment, but then Steven Seagal just shows up out of nowhere and punches yeah, DMX in the face. This, yeah, it was like Montini kidnaps Seagal and a fight in the van, random car explosion. Now a quick cut to Seagal and DMX fighting now. <laughs> it literally was like, okay, we see DMX. He rolls up in the Lambo and like, oh, hey, there's Seagal. What the fuck? They that have was a- quick. We just watched <laughs> you just like escape death from a van. They have a back and forth fight that, for different reasons, I'm pretty convinced neither of them are capable of having. And Seagal what are you about? is you talking about my ability of a and, and Seagal is and Seagal is basically There's no like tough guys in Hollywood. I'm the only tough guy. <laughs> so then Seagal basically asks him, "Why do you want to kill me?" And X is like. You don't know the plot, son. Follow me. So he takes him inside his apartment. Okay, check this shit out. Not only was DMX the first Jeff Bezos, he was the first Twitter. He says, people talk about police corruption, but no one actually sees it. I'm going to be the first one to show it to everyone on the internet. Yeah, so I guess they have the ability for fucking mini cameras, and then they, and DMX has been doing a thing where he's been videotaping, collecting footage of all the dirty cops, and all this footage is like- All he's of about, them. Oh yeah, also even Mendes is in this movie too. We forgot oh, to yeah. mention. I was going to see how far I could go without mentioning her because I forgot to mention her because she actually walks by she only when Anthony... Two, yeah. yeah. She walks by when Anthony Anderson was getting his ass whipped and getting like handcuffed to the grill and now she's here showing yeah. off the fucking... Like, all no, the she has footage. one more scene at the end. Yes. But honestly, I didn't write her in my notes because I was like, she does nothing to the plot. Yeah, she's uh, just there. Uh, water. So... Now we learn that that's going on and he has footage of Montini and Strut that deals with them and everything. And we learned X's brother really was framed, sort of. The cops wanted their own dealers on the street. They didn't want other dealers. Yeah. They so wanted whatever. their control dealers. brother was for, was for sure framed. So Seagal, And he's trying to like exact revenge by taking down the whole precinct with his internet wizardry. <laughs> It's just DMX being a computer whiz. That's so weird. So Seagal goes to meet with the commander lady. He ain't a computer whiz. He's a hella rich guy. I guess he made his money through like computer wizardry. But he's more of like, I'm rich. So he goes. And I avoided the IRS. He goes to meet the commander lady on top of a parking lot. And he's basically like, these guys are corrupt. These guys are corrupt. And she's like, you got any proof? And then Montini just pops up with a gun and starts shooting. Yeah. Why? You're you're just like, your proof is like, he's like, 
is that enough proof right there? It was like, wow. there's so much, the pacing's so weird. Like, there's a part in the movie where the shit's going by really slow, and I'm just like, man, this movie is kind of just boring. Then a lot of shit starts happening, but it's not even exciting. It's just like haphazardly schmozzed together. Yeah. But then, yeah, so then, a, so then a chase happens. For some reason, Montini himself is leading the chase, even though that's probably not a good idea. They're dodging and weaving, getting shot at. Eventually, she breaks out of a parking structure. Um, it's not a bad chasing. It's not like, like it's pretty super exciting. exciting. Yeah, it was a pretty... Uh, I'll say it's good. Whatever. Just, it feels like it was the director's first one. Whatever. They're mobbing through a freaking parking structure. She, and the, freaking, the chief just like jumps the freaking out of the like parking structure. And they're just running through whatever downtown. Just a huge chasing and stuff. But then... I guess they like at one moment the freaking chief like gets crashes into like crashes into a freaking construction vehicle and she dies. Yeah, and but like you see like Seagal just like magically eject out. She like and I wrote down like wait she's dead and they show her like smashing into the windshield too and I was like she's dead. I'm like I was I'm like well she's dead but like this I movie was, like, I was I kind of bummed. Dead. But then you find out wait she's dead. I was kind of bummed. Yeah, yeah, not gonna I, lie. Yeah, because freaking Seagal just somehow like magically ejects out of the freaking like Range Rover. Then he jacks some dudes through Cotty, and then like the chase <laughs> continues as he's just mobbing around on a bike. And then eventually he's able to ditch one of the cars because one of them gets hit by a dump truck. No, there was a thing. He like runs down an alley. Yeah, yeah. And there was a thing where a truck with their freaking backside is down. And like the, the freaking. This is the second car. Yeah, whatever. You just tell it. Okay, well, this ends the chase. Like you said, there's a truck with its loading thing down or whatever. Loading platform thing yeah. down. And so he slides under it on the motorcycle because, again, he's Steven Seagal. He can just do that. That's Steven Seagal. He can do that. And then the car because they went through a homeless camp to get there and then there's a blanket on the car they get it off but it's too late to stop they hot they uh the top gets cut off by the thing steven seagal's back against the wall cars coming right for him and then steven seagal who i guess is an olympian level athlete he doesn't just vaults over this fucking car he jumps over the car he doesn't like put his foot on it and like runs up he doesn't get out of the way. No, he just jumps over the car. Yeah. I'm pretty sure. Oh, and I guess those guys are dead. He can't do that. Whatever. And then Very like, convinced. And then we get Seagal calling his old chief from his precinct. And he's basically like, I'm going to summarize the scene really quick here. He's basically like, look, chief, I've, you always said, I thought before I act. Well, now I'm thinking. I've had a very minuscule amount of character development. Could you please help me? And the chief, who a second ago was like, bro, what the fuck is happening? There's an AP beat out on you and that and your chief's dead. What the fuck? And he's like, can I have some backup? Hey, can I need some backup? I need some backup. And he's like, okay. And then he goes to the fanboy, which we see him and his family. Yeah. And it's in there, it's like, so you might die, but if you succeed, you'll And his wife, who has no dialogue, just looks very solemn. It's like, you got this. Solemn, but it's like, you got this. Clean up the streets like you want to. Oh, yeah, I guess there's a thing with the fanboy where he wanted to clean up the streets, but... Oh, yeah, he I'm said not that. freaking documenting all the fucking dialogue, because fuck that. Yeah, what the fuck is this, Nostalgia Critic? We're, we're not here to really review the movie. We're here to just tell you what happened and why it's... Just why we laugh. Yes. <laughs> well, it's mostly because Steven Skull, because he's a real tough guy. So, DMX and the cops go to their shady drug deal, which... You almost have to wonder if that ever happened. And the chief goes to meet Seagal and they move in. And he's like, wait, where's backup? It's like, I got no one to trust. 
X tells okay. Montini, listen, I got half the money. You get, I'll get the other half when me and Anthony Anderson walk out alive. And walk Strut's, out alive. Your money yeah. will be legit and will be made back. Strut's like, damn, you stupid. Then Seagal's like, no, you're stupid. He busts in. And then Strut's like, damn, I thought you had this guy on a better leash. And then he's like, ain't it? Who motherfucking Dini? Yeah, just think Black Diamond That's saying right. that. Ain't it? Who motherfucking Dini? You're getting out of so many traps, should be wearing a cape. Yeah, it's just like, dude, Michael J. White didn't give a fuck with this kid. He didn't give a shit. So. I think he's there to entertain himself. And then plot twist, uh-oh, SpaghettiOs. Frank was a bad guy the whole time. Plot twist, a plot twist. Yeah, because, oh, yeah, also, because Black uh, Dynamite's also like. My, oh, yeah, also, yeah, Black Dynamite was like, oh, yeah, I know DMX, you're not the dude you're portraying. You're some other dude. Yeah. Big brain. So he turns his, his Big gun. Brain. So he turns his gun on Seagal and he says, "I put my life on the line every day for what? A measly forty grand, forty thousand dollars salary." I'm like, "Yeah, that's a pretty shitty salary if you're a chief. If of you're police. a co- if you're a chief of police, yeah, yeah." So he's like, "You ruined my entire operation." And then Strut's like, "No, it's our operation." And then Frank's like, "No, it's mine." So then Michael White's like, "Prove it, kill him." But 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 Frank hesitates to shoot Steven Seagal because they're friends. They're friends, Ooh. but he's like, "You know what?" He's like, "Rise about to shoot." Yo, fucking Predator homeboy pops up with the Did fucking they ever crew. Explain how he why he showed up. I don't know because Steven Seagal's big brain, bro. He can't telepathically communicate with people. You doubting my ability? Akito. I can hold you down. To I the guess ground. when you're homeboys with the with Russians, the you get access to that shit. So yeah. That's right. Predator it's dude shows go. up. He shows up. It's never explained how he's there. Dude, Predator Dude, aka the Green Beret from fucking Commando, goes on a fucking rampage. He's wasting dudes with a shotgun. Like the fanboy gets some people too. But yeah, no, it's just Predator Dude busting ass. And like, yeah, like the fanboy at one moment does a fucking John Woo fucking diving slow mo double so, pistol cut. That was the stupidest thing in this movie. Just I'm for like, no reason, he runs out dual wielding and then he dies like he's Max Payne. Yeah, and that's the thing about this movie. There's a lot of slow mo in it too. It's like, I get it. John Woo was pretty fucking sick, but when did this John- was a bad fucking rip off of John Woo at times. So then all of a sudden, um, so once that happens, Seagal goes after Strutters. X takes Mantini. Frank dies pretty anticlimactically because Predator guy corners him. And he's like, where are you going? Then Frank tries to shoot him. He misses. Goes to shoot him again. Then he just gets blasted with a shotgun thrice. Then Predator man goes, you're fired. But not even that good. He's like, you're fired. Yeah, he he didn't even try. He's, he just said it awkwardly like, you're fired. I'm like, he should have he should have been able to do that way better. He should have been like, you're fired. Do you think anyone gives a fuck on this movie? DMX gave a fuck. Yeah. He was trying really DMX hard. DMX was pretty impressionable. Anthony Anderson. You're talking about anyone that was well, impressionable. It's true. Come on. You think Michael J. White or like Steven Seagal gave a fuck? Oh, I know Michael White didn't give a fuck. Oh, yeah, I know. It's great, too. So... Meanwhile, the chase for Strutter, Seagal gets shot by the German dude, who, again, he gets gunned down kind of anticlimactically after all his buildup by George. So then fucking the next two fights happen concurrently. I'm going to go through them as comprehensively as I can for the sake of note taking and recap purposes. So basically, DMX goes into this room. No one's there. There's all these big sacks of flour or powder or whatever. He jumps and hides in them. He sees a guard come in. Or a thug. 
Well, yeah, but a, or, a crooked cop. He was in a cop yeah, uniform. So, some dude and Montini pop in the room. But DMX, no, but no, before that, uh, one sole guy comes in. DMX like, takes off his belt, hooks it around a shock, his shotgun, around the trigger. He throws the shotgun into the air, pulls on the belt, and the shotgun fires, successfully killing the cop, the crooked cop. So DMX is MacGyver here. <laughs> Or MacGruber. MacGruber! <laughs> so, that happens. Now, then Montini busts in. And then, um... Yeah, so yeah. friggin' like, X is having a shootout doing his friggin' like, MacGruber, friggin' like, shotgun, like, invention shit. And Seagal's also then starts fighting Michael J. Oh White. my god, oh my god, no, no, you, got, no, no, you have to let me set this up. I'm sorry. It. You got it. The floor is yours. They go into a room. They're shooting at each other. Steven Seagal blinds him with a fire extinguisher. Then there's just... Like, that's actually pretty sick. Because yeah. where it's like, Steven Seagal doesn't have a weapon. Michael J. White does. But Steven Seagal takes the friggin' like, a fire extinguisher and uses his fucking smoke screen. Yeah. Then there's just... I don't know if they're machetes or what. There's just two swords there. And yeah. then they just start having a fucking sword fight. Fuck it, why not? <laughs> They look like the, I forget the name. They look like the weapon I used through my playthrough, my playthrough of Dark Souls Three. It's just these big, weird, half machete, half short sons of bitches. Yeah, and it's like, what the fuck? Wait, when we get a sword fight going, the highlight for me—it's the most basic sword fight you've ever seen. Like they're like tween, 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 left, right, left, right, tween, duck. tween, tween, left, right, left, it's, right. I've seen better choreography in the Daffy Duck Robin Hood thing. Guard, parry, ha, thrust. So the highlights for me are. Where Steven Seagal swipes at him, but Michael fucking White jumps into the air and dodges by doing the splits. Then a little later, he jumps in the air and does a flip and catches Steven Seagal's blade. Then on X's side, Mantini comes in, who he he's not able to kill them with the belt gun trick. So, cutting to the chase, X pops out, and then what I can only describe well, is... Montini unloads his, like, freaking clip, so, yeah. like, X pops out to try to take him, but now they start having they a have close... A, they have a sword fight with shotguns! That almost made this whole bullshit worth it. Steven Seagal's having a fight with Black... The sword fight with Black Dynamite, and fucking DMX is having a, a, a sword fight with a shotgun. What is it? Who? What, what is, is this? I don't know. This is a fucking movie. So, uh, oh shit, my mic. Hold on. So that's happening, and then their fight. I like. I have to say, I like DMX's fights more than Steven Seagal. You ever notice in Steven Seagal's fights, he like never gets hit. Like I thought, I heard he would always assert that in the choreography. Never, it was in his contract. He could never, I almost ne never get hit in his I movies. Never get hit. I never look weak. It's like in this movie, you ever notice he always perfectly is able to counter everybody at just the right time, almost never gets hit unless it's like from the back or something. I never, I never look weak. He has to make himself look strong. I always look strong. Steven Seagal in the movies on, is what is, Hulk Hogan was in wrestling. Come on, if this was real life, would it be any other way? I don't think Michael White can do a fucking flip. Well, yeah, I think Michael J. White can do a flip, but not like flip and catch a sword. So anyway, Struther. Oh yeah, and then there's a part where he just fucking like catches uh, Steven Seagal's sword with his bare hands. Yep, 
<laughs> so Strutters gets away, calls for a helicopter. He's on the ladder, but Seagal grabs is Michael J. White. Yeah. So Seagal grabs and holds the ladder and his fat ass throws the weight off the helicopter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because like freaking like the helicopter's about to go and like Michael J. White's like, just go, just go. I could climb the fucking ladder. Then Seagal appears. So he and gets, they're like just dragging yeah. along while Seagal's like fucking ski like roof skiing with a helicopter. He gets dragged and dragged and dragged until la- uh, the ladder hooks on a pipe, causing it to break off because and, the goal's big brain. and Michael White falls to his doom and gets impaled on a pipe like that you. dude from The Rock what was that what was that what was that Michael Bay movie with like uh, Sean Connery was that called The Rock well there is the yeah there is the movie called The Rock with Sean Connery I think that's the movie I'm thinking of I, was that Michael Bay no I, no there was one movie well, but there is a for Alcatraz. sure movie called The Rock The Rock with, yeah with Sean Connery Sean Connery anyway so then with X you're the man now dog what movie was that from? I forgot. Oh, no. But you're the man now, dog. So back with X. So at one point, his face got covered in powder. So he's on the ground. He stabs Martini. Blah, M- Mantini in the knee. Mon. Mon. Montini. And he spine busters his head into a sprinkler overhead, walking away. Yeah, so, Washing both, the the vil- yeah, so both the villains get impaled. Oh, no, that's not it, because then Mantini grabs X, and he's about to throw him into, like, these random spikes on the wall, but then X slips out of his leather jacket, and then Mantini goes into the nail throat first. Oof. Yeah, basically impaled. So after the math, Steven Seagal is talking to George. Tom Arnold comes up, and he's like, hey, that's my partner. But then Anthony Anderson... Hey, that's my partner. But then Anthony Anderson's like, oh, shit, that's whatever his character's name was. Yo, can you do a story on me? I got shot, like, 16 times, man. He's like, oh my god, can I like film you in the hospital when you get surgery? Oh, hell yeah! So then Predator Dude comes up and he stumbles over his lines very awkwardly. He said... Think he gave a fuck <laughs> about this movie? No, he like legit looked like he forgot his lines. He was literally, he was just like, he literally said like, he did good work out there. He said, he said, the sooner you clean the streets, the better it is for all of us. I'm like, you couldn't do a take two. That's how he said it. Yeah, and he like Those. mentions something about DMX's brother, where it's like, oh, don't worry, we pulled him out of county. Oh, yeah, because DMX is like, oh, yeah, I've got all this footage on Crooked Cops. Let's hope it helps my brother. And then the, and then Predator dude's like, basically like, that's not going to mean shit, but it's okay, because I let him go. Or I moved him out of county. Um, Cool. Okay. And then, oh, my fucking God. I, this better not happen or fucking Romeo must die. <laughs> this movie fucking ends where we get Anthony Anderson is now the co-host of Tom Arnold's Public Access freaking, like, freaking journalism show or whatever. Yeah. And he's like, this is my co-host, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, that's right. This is my man, white chocolate. I was like, okay, I'm done. This I, I have to end the movie on a good they note. They basically... But I continue with the ad-lib, watch the ad-libs. I'm like, they're just ad-libbing nonsense. I literally think if you put Anthony this, this, Anderson yeah. and Tom Arnold together, just go... That's what they did. They just put on the camera, let them go. This is what the Comcast should have been. Oh, they were talking about nipples, asses, sex with big women. Anthony at one point says the line, I love big women. You can't feel the heat if you ain't got no meat. So yeah, movie ends with ad-libs and stuff. Yeah, and then then, you know, just some shit like Arnold's like, Tom Arnold's like, oh yeah, I shit the bed before I quit drinking and blah, blah, blah. These two should have had their own movie. 
Because they did this shit in Cradle to the Grave. Are you going to fucking do this if Romeo Must Die? Are we watching Romeo Must Die? At this point, we might as well. I guess next week we're watching Romeo Must Die. Yo, in our tribute to DMX, we're watching the DMX cinematic universe of me giving Trilogy. a fuck. The, the I, don't know, I don't know if he does anything else after these movies, but I'm like, these are the movies that were on television. These are the ones I only give a fuck about. Whatever. We're going back to fucking Jet Li. I think this was like... This is a, this was like his breakout movie yeah, in, in the West. Yeah, this was his like breakout movie in the West. Romeo Must Die. Um, Any quick roundup thoughts of Exit Wounds before we uh, head on out of here? I was going to say, if you want... DMX apparently did a lot more movies. Well, I know he did a lot more okay. movies. There's like one movie where he's just a total fucking GTA character, freaking sketchy villain boy. Is it called Pimp? I don't Beyond know. Beyond the Law? No, I have to look up Hood's. I gotta go to Hood Cinema's freaking uh, YouTube channel to figure out. Anyway, but yeah, no, there's, no, there's nothing else I could say. The only thing I could say is this movie was a bit more boring than Cradle to the Grave, but I also feel but, like for some reason it made almost for a more entertaining recap. Dude, they just jammed a fuck ton a lot. <laughs> Well, what made it entertaining is we're just sitting here roasting Steven Seagal. Yeah, that's true. Let's be real here. Oh, yeah. I guess there's a thing where, like, Seagal, like, also, like, around the end of the movie pops up in, like, anger management and, like... Oh, yeah, that happened before the credits. And, like, he tries to get a group hug going. Like, they try to get a group hug on him, and it's like, why do I... Why do... Why is watching Steven Seagal in misery trying to get a group hug? Freaking one of the most beautiful things in life. Because Steven Seagal in Misery is funny. That's why. That's why one of his best roles was in Machete, where uh, fucking um, Danny Trejo just cuts him in half with a katana. I don't know how the fuck he got away with that. <laughs> but Robert Rodriguez, would you is, cross Danny Trejo? Robert Rodriguez is a very influential dude. Yes, bro. He made kid fucking Spy Kids like on nothing. Yeah, I don't think he would spend like a six digit number. I'm gonna look that up. Like, he, like, was able to make Spy Kids on nothing. And, like, dude, Spy Kids is a fucking stacked fucking roster of peeps, son. Oh, yeah. Uh, who was in that Who's in that movie? Uh, oh, two, well. See, 2001. This came out the same year as yeah. Spy Kids. Well, yeah, what a year. I know. Yo, uh, have Antonio Vendas. No, this had a $35 million budget. Okay. That's so... Isn't that, like, freaking pennies, though? Uh, what, what, what's that for inflation? I don't know. Made $147, though. Million. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, that was Exit Wounds. Friggin', we need to get the fuck out of here. All right, everyone. Thank you for coming in for the Dr. Dr. Death Danger radio show with your boys, James and Edward. I can't fucking talk with my tongue twisters. Have a good one. What tongue twisters? I don't know. You gonna say adios? Oh, yeah. Adios. Adios.